0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of MTG Rants. I'm and Grace, I've got my puppy in my lap and I've got Ross on the other end of this call. Ross, how are you doing?
1: I am doing well too because I have you matched for puppies.
0: Right, because you're, uh, you're house sitting right now, right? Yeah,
1: you, you can't see Henry, he's a little off the, the screen that you're using, but he is on the couch next to me.
0: Look at your screen, it's, Ross.
1: Yeah, I can see Benny. Uh-huh. Henry is harder to move.
0: Yeah, he's like what, about like seven bennies? Um, Probably eight or nine. How, how, how much does this interview weigh? Like, n- I want to say, like, 60 pounds. Okay. B- Benny's, like, a, is big for a Pomeranian. So she's, like, yeah. anywhere between 9 or 10 pounds. So.
1: But she's she's all fluff. So I assume she weighs we, nothing.
0: Yeah. So, like, she's actually what smaller than she looks. Especially right now. Because we brushed her out yesterday. So she's, like, all extra puffy right now. Because well, it's, it's just been raining, like, nonstop here for the last, like, few months or whatever. It just rains all day, every day, right? And, um... The other day, Benny, like, you know, had to go use the bathroom in the pouring rain, and she just got, like, drenched, right? And it just messes up. Anyone with long hair knows, like, it gets pretty messed up when you put a bunch of, like, water and stuff into it. So my dog was looking rough, so we had to we had to give her, like, a little a nice blow dry and then some some, some, some brushing. We even, we even brought up the scissors and gave her a little bit of a cut, too, here or there, you know, even it out a little bit.
1: We've actually been getting a lot of rain here recently as well, but we're very fortunate this weekend— uh, I had a, a non-magic friend of mine had a birthday party, and they did it over two days. So we had a, a party party on Saturday, and mm-hmm. then they invited is uh, you know uh, fewer people for a smaller party at the at a river. We just hung out by the river. Okay. With like you just hung out like a
0: little beach, like right next to the riverbed or something.
1: Basically, it's not, not really a beach. We're literally just on the bank of the river, sort of in the, you, middle, you know in the mean, middle of a yeah. forest. Really, we're in a national park. Yeah. So when
0: I say when I say beach, I'm using like quotations. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah, I mean the the river was very shallow. Like we we're sitting on rocks in the river. Mm-hmm. Just had some music playing from the the bank of it. Had some beers. It was great.
0: Yeah, we have like um, what do they call a lazy river here? That's it's like literally like an actual you know it's yeah. it's not an actual river, but it's like a it's like an offshoot of the Mississippi River, and um. One common thing people do is like, you know, they pay for it or whatever, and they go get in there. And then, like, halfway down it, there's a beach, just like a little beach that sits out. It even has like a little sandbar up in the middle of it. And they'll just bring, like, they'll, like, have you ever seen pictures of like an LSU tailgate or like seen anything of it?
1: I haven't seen it, but I can imagine.
0: And it's just like that. Like, they, they, they bring the full supplies out with them to the water. Yeah. And sometimes someone will drive a truck out to it and meet them there, and, like, they'll put the tents up, they'll get the stereo system going, and then you see, like, 17 ice chests opened up, and, like, the grill gets going, you know, and, like, everybody... can you imagine, like, trying to get the grill there if you didn't have the truck drive up? The grill gets its own, uh, <laughs> its own tube, like, you know, you have to put the grill <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the tube to bring it down the water. <laughs> I can like, totally envision this right now. This sounds awesome. We're going to have drive this out. Yeah. So well, that's we how we have fun race. in the South. Yeah. And that's just the normal weekend in the South. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
1: We have you know, we have one of those nearby. I think I think Corey has done it and wanted to mm-hmm. get some people together. But
0: um, one of my one of my favorite things is uh, so I have this really good friend, and if anybody's you know knows anything about um, if if you're into competitive magic or like people who have literally beat us in the finals of team events, uh, I've got a friend that lives in Houston named Dave Thomas. And he and I both enjoy playing poker, so every now and then we just like have a poker weekend where he either come here, I'll go there, because uh, we're about four hours away from each other. Or directly in the middle of us is this city called Lake Charles. And it has multiple casinos, right? And they're all like right on the water, so there's some cool stuff. And one of them has a lazy river with like swim-up bars and stuff at their casino, and it's it's an actual man-built one, like a man-made one, so it's not like you know dirty or gross or anything like that. And that's one of my favorite ones to go to. Cause you get to do, you get to, you get to do that for relaxing, which is nice, you know? So, uh, you get to do all that stuff, but, um, anyway, you got anything else going on this week?
1: Um, I am, you know, I don't have anything planned past dog sitting for these next two days for Corey until he's finally back from his, uh, long sojourn. He had several things that he was out to do. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't really know. I'm going (laughs) to figure that out, (laughs) but after having you know, essentially being gone for two straight days or like not really in touch with my normal life with the right, party right. and now two days at Corey's I'm mm-hmm. just going to be uh back at home probably transitioning back into regular life
0: yeah I got you I got you um well hopefully this gets out pretty fast and there's a quick turnover because if that happens this will be a really quick turnover for our episodes this will be like one of the fastest turnovers because I think our episode went did it go live on Sunday or Saturday I think it was Saturday
1: Right? Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: And here we are recording in the afternoon well, I say afternoon, seven PM on a Monday night, because I might be going out of town and we want to make sure we get an episode in and you have, you know, basketball games and stuff that you, you have a lot of stuff going on for the next few days. You have versus live. The, the J- yeah,
1: the Jazz start playing tomorrow. I'll watch yeah. that game here and then I'll mm-hmm. go home because Corey doesn't get in until eleven. And, yeah. And and then we we the Jazz play every other day at that point. So it's Tuesday, mm-hmm. Thursday, Saturday, Monday mm-hmm. at the very least, and then Wednesday, Friday, Sunday as needed. Yeah,
0: and uh, it, it, it's almost as if we, we we have a reason to record this episode as quickly as possible. if something cool happened over the weekend? And boy, did it! I, I'm gonna tell you this. Uh, this is probably the most excited I've been to see like you know new deck lists and stuff like that in quite a while. Uh, I don't know why, but Modern Horizons two like really fired me up. You know, it really got me into it, and um, it really, it got me kind of like you know back into magic. I think it also had to do with a little bit. Um, I played in a paper magic tournament this week, and I played in like a team event. And I got to play Paper Legacy, and it had been it had been a while, Ross. It had been it had been a lot I think I think I played with you the last time I played Paper Legacy.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. That. I wouldn't be
0: surprised. Uh, I had cards in my deck I would never played with before. I had to like order them off of you know uh, a website to get the cards, and not all. Of the- I got the I got the full experience. A couple of them showed up really early, and then a few of them didn't show up yet at all. So I had to go buy extra copies of them because apparently uh, they did have like one copy at the store. Thank God that I played at or whatever. So. Um, that was interesting. Uh, I missed it, but the thing that I'm more excited about is seeing all these new deck lists of the Modern Horizons 2 cards in it, because when we played this weekend, those cards were not legal yet, even though we did play Modern and Legacy of this team tournament, and online, they are legal, and uh, I'll tell you this. I said that I think that I thought this set was going to be you know, what they wanted the original Modern Horizons to be, like really impactful cards showing up in a lot of decks and whatever, blah, 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 and uh, if that's what they wanted... If they wanted the cards to show up in all the deck lists and spawn new decks, boy, have they done a good job because they knocked it out of the park, apparently, with this one. And we're seeing, I mean, it's not just one new card in a deck and one new card. We're seeing, like, decks with, like, three to four different new cards and sometimes, like, four copies of them, too.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I'm not too surprised to see that wide impact on week one. I'm happy to see it. The, the true test will come over the coming weeks, right. and which of these decks stays around and which ones yeah. fall by on the wayside. But you—you know, you couldn't ask for much more on opening weekend here. Really strong uh, showing, though. To me, and at least in terms of modern, there is one card that rises above the rest of them.
0: And okay, so it's funny that you're going to say this one because I'm going to say a slightly different one, but it's more than just for modern for me. But for you, can I can I make a guess? Is it Shardless Agent? Yes. And I'll tell you this we talked about cards that these decks could be in and boy, like I'm just like, man, we're just dumb. We just like didn't see this or like didn't think about this. And, like, There's just so many cool decks doing cool things and Shardless Agent is definitely one of those, Ross.
1: Yeah, we saw you know over the course of two challenges with the, the results that we have, so that's 64 deck lists. There are 20 deck lists that feature Shardless Agent. All of those 20 lists are playing four. 19 of them were just four in the main. One of them is three main and one in the sideboard. Right. And across a lot of different... Uh, archetypes. You saw it in a lot of humans lists, which was the most surprising one for me. I think it's the one where it seems the least impressive, but still doing good things there, but more so in lists that are taking advantage of a Cascade. And when we had our show last weekend, when Charles when Agent was on my list, uh, in my top eight, I talked about the the Aspiring Spike, you know, or Cascade deck that I was impressed with on Versus. That deck showed up, both in Spike's hands, who top 32 to one of the challenges with it, but in other people's hands, who Maybe even would put up uh, better results than he did.
0: Yeah, uh, there was one that finished fourth place in the first modern open. Uh, that one would be the one that is labeled, I think, the sixth or the seventh or something. I think it's, yeah, the ones that came out on the sixth. So it happened on the fifth. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're looking at, you know, uh, four Charlotte's Agent in the main uh, for the crashing footfalls that are going on in the deck. And then out of other new cards, getting to play. And I remember you mentioned this a lot, and I hadn't thought about it fire ice looked like to be a big winner out of this deck too just another card that you can you know play on turn two that doesn't mess up your cascade kind of like the adventure package going on in this deck
1: yeah and i remember being really impressed by um that card both modes really you know it was a blue card to pitch to force when you needed it it was a um you know it was an early removal spell for cheap creatures, or it was just a way to make sure you hit your third land drop and keep your opponent off balance for the one turn that you needed to start getting to Rhino time. And so it just did a lot of little things that ended up being really, really good, and they added up to a really impactful card.
0: Yeah, and I like the fact that it functions on both ends, right? Like, if you're if you're on the draw with it, it's obviously good because you're most likely going to have a target to shock something, right? Like, if you don't have a bone custer Giant, then you can use this to, like kill a champion of the parish kill you can't kill Balia, but you know kill something from the humans decks or kill an ignoble hierarch something from these decks that they've played on turn 1 or turn 2 and then if you're on the if you're on the play that's generally where like you know the the curve of bonecrusher giant you know you're like well, I guess I'll shock you and then cast something on 3 but with this version you could actually use ice during their upkeep on their land and if they didn't play anything on 1 they're probably not playing anything on 2 when they only have one mana as well so it's it's almost like time walk draw card you know like so i i'm a big big fan of this card in this kind of strategy and ever like i watched uh i mean todd anderson streaming right now and he's streaming this deck in um i think one of the qualifiers or whatever and he was doing really well with in it. a prelim in a prelim i'm sorry in the prelims i don't know why i said qualifier but in one of the prelims and i watched him do that and it's it's like you said it's it's unassuming you don't really it doesn't jump off the page but when you see it kind of happen you're like this is just like good quality deck building and it just works really well
1: yeah i mean it's three mana for eight power or ten power depending upon depending upon which one you're using to cascade because of violent outbursts as well uh you know that's obviously really strong but you normally would think in modern i need my one minute interaction and it you know the format's a little bit slower than it used to be you have some zero minute interaction to help catch up too with force of negation and sometimes subtlety uh in these lists some lists don't play that one and now you have the a lot of very good two mana interaction, and even if you fall a little bit behind, like the three mana for eight to ten power across two to three bodies when you cascade is going to catch you up a lot of the time. So it's a deck that is, you know, still able to interact early, and has this really good grindy plan with the cascade cards, uh, and then once you get enough mana in the late game, all those pitch cards just get hardcast for even even more value. So. Definitely a deck that I, I like quite a bit. I was not surprised at all to see that one doing well. I was somewhat surprised to see the other, uh, another deck with Shardless Agent, and that was living it.
0: And I, I think that that was, like, one of the bigger breakout decks of the weekend. And I say that because I, I don't know if this is one of the ones that's here to stay. Like, this is one of the ones that, when people aren't ready for it, this deck is obviously really good. This is kind of the deck we talk about, like, if you've ever heard me talk about when you... um. Like, when, you, when when a tournament win, is won by Dredge, the next week is not the week to play it. The week before, when it won the tournament, that's the week to play it, when people weren't playing enough Graveyard Hate. And Living in kind of, like, falls into that direction, like, and you'll see it if you look at the decklist from the Modern Challenge the next day. Like, you're seeing people with, like, Chalice of the Void in their sideboard, just so they can Chalice on Zero in that matchup. You know, a, long, a long-standing uh, thing that people have done in Modern for quite a while. But I was super impressed when I saw these deck lists because I think in one of them, it, it took, like, a very large chunk of the top eight and top sixteen in one of the challenges, and the, the the results had to speak for themselves, right? Like you're seeing that many many decks be that good, and it makes sense because it's it's a good robust way to win, but it's also good against opposing creature decks, which we saw do really well this week, and we saw just a ton of creature decks.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, historically has always been good at creature decks, and you're right. There, there's three in the top eight of the first challenge, another in that top, in the top sixteen. Actually, two more in the top 16, so five total in that top 32. None in the in the top eight of the second day, but still four in the top 32, including one in the top 16. So this is a nine out of your 64 decks. That's about uh, 14% or so. Um, you know, it's a little under one-seventh. So that's a pretty healthy portion of the metagame for a relatively open, modern uh, format. And a really impressive showing from this deck. And this is not... The living end deck that you remember from four or five years ago, the Jund deck that just had its eight cascade cards and one mana cyclers, you know, sometimes full miniature mage uh, to get a little bit of interaction. This is a blue living end deck now because you, you, uh, you have shardless agent, you have a lot of good cheap blue cyclers from Amonket and, and later sets, and then you get to play Force of Negation, you get to play Brazen Borrower. Those are the common ones among all of them. I'm seeing a list here with Fire Ice as well, but. Brace of bar are a really nice one if people are going to bring in things like Rest in Peace and Layla in the Void, because it's not like you need, this is not a deck like Dredge that can, like the ETB trigger from Rest in Peace can really hammer you, um, where uh, like this is a deck that can, you know, end a turn bounce it, cycle a couple creatures, untap Living End, get three or four creatures on the battlefield, and that's more than enough.
0: And it's hard for you to answer their board and get the Rest in Peace and play again, because at that point... Once you've cycled that many times and you're this far into the game, you're on turn four or five. You know, they've drawn probably about ten cards this game. They probably have another copy or another living in setup ready to go.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Or just a force
0: of negation to protect their battlefield. Right, yeah. I think this is really good deck building. Like you said, you've got force of negation and Brazen Bar remain. So, like, you're already pre-boarded. You know what I mean? Like, they don't even have to, like, you know, guess at which one you're doing. And it kind of covers pretty much everything. Like... The, the, the way to beat this seems to be if you have some kind of creature that can do it, which we saw some decks that have some creatures that can affect the graveyard looked pretty good, you know, get around the Force negation and possibly get around a little bit of Brazen Bar, But, you know, I don't think there's any card that gets around both, you know. And so, like,
1: yeah, these decks did really well. And the creatures are often a little bit more expensive. And so you can usually get a couple creatures in the graveyard underneath them and then just, you know, play your living end for those few and, and, and go from there. And the Living End is also going to remove whatever creature-based permanent that they have. So I actually think one of the biggest moves is going to be creatures that just stop the Living End from happening, as opposed to interacting with the Graveyard. Things like Metal Mage, things like Eidolon of Rhetoric. uh, you know, uh even, Endurance
0: <laughs> would be really good.
1: Even Thalia that can, mm-hmm, uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, make it cost five, five mana. So a deck like Humans looks pretty well-situated yeah. to take advantage of. Uh, of a, a living end esque metagame, game, and we did see a little bit of humans around, uh, so that th- that made a lot of sense to me. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that. I I don't think you know I'm not confident that living end is going to be you know the default best deck. I think it no. was just a really powerful deck for week one, a powerful year yeah. strategy, and we're going to have to see what the we're like. We're going to have to redefine, based on a postmodern Horizons two world, what those powerful linear decks are, and that's going to set the the rules of engagement for the fair decks. And then we'll see what the fair decks are that can prey on the linear decks, and then what the fair decks that can prey on the fair decks are, and that will create that nice rock paper scissors circle that you usually yeah. see in modern.
0: Yeah, and like like you said, you know, uh, a human's deck did well, and I'm not really surprised by that. Uh, you know, I expect humans to do well in you know week one of some meta games because like it's aggressive and it has generally enough things going on for it that it can have enough disruption. Like you said, you have multiple things main to kind of you know uh, deal with these kinds of decks. And we saw a deck that like it's not humans, but it plays like humans in this matchup a little bit. Like um, one of the decks that won the challenge was a uh, a Yorion stone forge stone blade type deck. I, I mean, it looks like two decks just kind of mismatched here, but you know, the only new card in it main was, you know, it's got solitude with the ephemerate package, but you're, you're looking at cards like watcher of tomorrow, uh, Skyclave Apparition, spell queller, but then it's got its package of like, you know, meddling mage and those kinds of things, uh, and, you know, elite spellbinder to help, you know, slow some of these decks down. So that one kind of plays like humans. We saw actual humans itself doing well too. Um, you know, I would call in that Azorius place. taxes. Yeah, Azorius taxes. Yeah, but it has like the Yorian package so it's cool. It's a cool deck. But like the
1: taxes decks have been yeah. using Yorian for a little while. It mm-hmm. actually goes yeah. really nice with the, nicely with Vile. You just get mm-hmm. the Vile up to five buy the Yorian yep. Violet into play, Ooh, and you reset like Vile so that mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be stuck on five. Uh, but this is you know the noticeable thing that's missing here is you don't see Lean and Arbiter. But I think that's smart. I think that's where taxes decks have to go. There's a lot of good new tools. Solitude is a really really good one. Um, especially with Ephemerate, so I think playing on that on that Flicker uh, Blink synergy with Ephemerate and Flicker Wisp and Yorian is the way to go with these decks. It's actually what I wrote my article about for this week on SCG. Uh, I, and uh, you know, I think for a long time uh, devotees of Taxes and Modern they're going to be loath to give up their Lean and Arbiters, but I think that's what you have to do. And I think if you do that, you've got a really good deck on your hands because there's a lot of great tools for these decks now. Um, you know, and, and you're just holding yourself back by sticking to this mediocre and Arbiter package.
0: And, you know, w- you've been saying this for a few weeks on the show now, right? And, you know, I, like, heard you, I internalized it, but I didn't really, I couldn't see it, you know what I mean? Like, I believed you, I believed that you're right, and like, now that I see the list without it, right? And then I think about the deck, you know, every time that I played against it, or I'd see it get played, and people would do that, right? Like, they'd lean and Arbiter people, Ghost Quarter people, or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, that's cute, or they'd path to exile them. They'd, I'm like, yeah, that's cute, but, like, it wouldn't be good enough a lot of the times, right? Like you're doing this cool, good, cute thing, but it wouldn't win you games. And now, with a lot of the cards that have come out over the last few years, you know, looking at Yorion, Solitude, you know, the, the you know, um, Skyclave Apparition, I always blank on that card, Skyclave Apparition, Elite Spellbinder, like your cards are good enough now that you don't have to do any of these like weird synergy combo things to like cheese people out. Your cards are good enough to win the game. Yeah. And so like, I heard you say it. I internalize it. I kind of got it. But like, now that I've like seen it, you know what I mean? I've seen it played out. I'm like, I get why you were saying what you were saying. You know what I mean? I, it, I've seen it in practice. So now I understand it better. Cause I'm a better, I'm a person who does better by like, I, I need to do it. I need to see it. than someone telling me, you know, sometimes if people tell me something like, yeah, that makes sense. Like I get it. But like, once I do it or I see someone do it and it works, I'm like, Okay, now all the little pieces of, like, you know, the, the gears start, you know, moving together and stuff. It, I get it better, so. And
1: did you notice that in this Azorius list, there are no Path to Exiles?
0: Yeah, there's literally no Path to Exiles, but, like, it makes sense, right? Like, you don't you don't necessarily have room for it, but with cards like Spell Queller, Skyclave Apparition, and Flicker Whisk going along with those, and Charming Prince, I think you just have enough removal that yeah. you don't need to run copies of that card.
1: And the big one, I think, is Solitude, because that's the card that makes sure that you die to, like, creature combo decks early. So your, your opponent's Heliod deck isn't going to kill you immediately. Devoted Druid, uh, you know, Colossus Hammer decks. Look, Which did your,
0: show up this weekend. <laughs> yes,
1: that's your early interaction to keep those decks in check. So, um, you know, I think you can play Path to Exile if you want. The metagame calls for it, but it's no longer a requirement, and that's a good thing. You have other choices for uh, disruption. You know, there's a ton of other cards that you could try to put into this Azorius deck they're, they're not playing Glass Bolt Mimic which goes nicely with Flicker Wisp they're not playing um, um, Sanctum Prelate which I think is really good and definitely something I would look at and the fact that these cards aren't in the list aren't, is a good sign because it means that you have a, you have more options than you can fit in a given list and that means you're going to be that much more adaptable as the metagame continues to evolve Yeah,
0: and Sanctum Prelate wasn't in the humans list that got second place either which kind of surprised me the only new card in that one with Shardless Agent, and then you just recognize the rest of the deck. It's literally just humans from two years ago with Shardless Agent. And then I really, really like the sideboard of this deck, which I think is really cool because i thought, always thought that like humans, the sideboard was like generally one of the places where it could lose some percentage points because it didn't always have like, you know, great answers to everything or good stuff there. But I, I really like the sideboard that you did in this one. For people at home, if you're interested, it was Chalice of the Void, Deputy detention Core Firewalker, Grafter's Cage, Dampening Sphere. I'm um, sorry, Damping Sphere. And Blight Beetle, and we'll talk about a little bit later on the show why you're probably going to want to look up the card Blight Beetle and possibly have it in some of your decks because uh, a friend of yours that also works for SCG put up quite a finish with a deck that Blight Beetle's pretty good against this weekend. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tease that one. I don't want to spoil it just yet. So these are two decks that like you know this is the first this was the first tournament right? Those 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 were one and two, and uh, we're seeing a few new cards in those, and you're seeing the one that you're talking about right? Like you're seeing um charlotte's agent have a a big impact we saw it in the timber deck as well there was another card this weekend that's having quite the big impact across modern and legacy and more in legacy than like i probably thought it would week one but it makes sense you know when people aren't ready for this and this is my pick for like probably like just the biggest impact in week one and that's urza saga and i knew this card was good ross we all knew this card was good we might have all undersold this card
1: yeah, and I think we talked last week about how we both thought it was being underestimated just because it came out so early in preview season, and so you it forgot had more about it, time right? for the hype die yeah. the hype to die down, and the hype machine just kept rolling and looking at other cards, and or this is a card that all like Charlotte's agent has showed up in a ton of different archetypes, you know, that
0: in ones that you would have never you would have been like oh like when I see it in the list I'm like I didn't think about putting it in there,
1: yeah, um, well. None that, are that, yeah, there's there's ones that you missed, um, but there's not one that is, like, a huge surprise. Like,
0: well, the the blue-white control deck or whatever that had one kind of surprised me a little bit, but that deck's really random, so... Yeah, it,
1: but the, for the most part, you know, we saw it in Amulet Titan. That makes a lot of sense. They've got, you know, they're playing one map that's mostly just there to find amulets, so it sets up your most explosive draws, and that's really what the deck has needed, because without Field of the Dead, it doesn't have that incredible end game. So you got to act a little bit more like a combo deck, and when you're talking combo and Amulet Titan, you're really talking Amulet of Vigor, because those are the draws that enable those fast kills. So Urza Saga, just another way to enable them. We also see yavamaya Maya in a lot of these Amulet Titan lists that showed up last weekend. That's a one copy. It makes a lot of sense. I have a question about that card. Is there any layering problems with that card and Valakut,
0: or does it just, it doesn't matter? It says in addition to its other types. Does it? Okay. Because yes. When um when you're when you're looking at the new lists, for some reason they haven't put the new cards in on the Wizards website, so like they're all under other. And then when your cursor goes over them, they don't bring up the card image, so I can't read Yavimaya right in front of me. I need to go type it in. It says
1: in addition. Okay, I didn't realize yeah. that. Sure. Yeah. So no, no issues there. It's okay. just an, an easy way to turn your colorless lands into green lands if you need them. So, uh, you know, seems like a solid addition there. But really, the big news is Urza's Saga. And one of the places that I kind of missed for the, the card but makes a ton of sense is the Colossus Hammer deck. And that's a yeah. big place in this first challenge. Mm-hmm. Not a ton of a toolbox here. We just see uh, for one and zero amount of artifacts, they were already playing Memnite and Ornithopter. So you can find a creature if that's what you need off of Saga or it can make constructs if you need to attack with those. You can find Esper Sentinel as well, one of the other new cards. That's no, in the deck. because that's CMC, that's Mana Value 1. It has to be cost. Ah oh yeah, yeah sure yeah, okay. otherwise it could find lotus bloom and it would be really fucked
0: up okay that makes sense okay. yeah so
1: uh just cost is, so you can find Memnite slash ornithopters you can get a creature you can get your colossus hammer if you need that you can get the one shadow spear in case you need to gain life in a matchup where that matters because that they've tutored for that with stoneforge and you can get springleaf drum if you still need the, the extra man if you have or the colored mana up. yeah yeah or you need extra colored mana so that that sort of covers all your bases right you don't need to go deeper than that the sideboard, of course, has some other options. They're playing, like, Tormod Script now and Piffing Needle. Um, so you've got those typical toolboxes, but out of the sideboard. But I like this list in the main deck just being very restrained because you're a linear combo deck. And Urza Saga, it literally finds basically all the pieces. It finds the equipment, it finds mana, it finds creatures. Those are the pe- like The only thing it doesn't find is a way to attach the equipment, I guess. And, th- and it, that's because there just isn't one. Uh, so you can't blame Urza Saga for that. It's trying. Yeah. it's trying. It's <laughs> trying. Esper Sentinel, another great addition to this deck. Just a oh, way to absolutely. provide additional resilience. It's an artifact, so it counts for uh, Metalcraft on Pure Steel Paladin. Um, so, you know, just two great additions to what is one of the best creature combo decks in modern. Uh, certainly the fastest one. It, to me, it, it has sort of replaced Infect. It just seems like Infect, but better because it can so easily play Lurus. You also get to Infect people
0: with this deck if you want. I mean, it still has Ink Moth Nexus in it. So if, if you're like... A hardcore Phyrexian, right? Like, and I'm thinking of one of my, my local friends who's at the tournament this weekend. He's literally got the Phyrexia tattoo on his arm. Like, he, he is a Phyrexian. Like, if he punches you, you take infect damage, you know, in real life. So, uh, if that's your bag, like, if you really want to do this,
1: this is this might be the best version of infect, honestly. Oh, I I completely agree. But uh, Ursa Saga was certainly not done there. If you go to 17th place in this first challenge... It shows up in the Return of Lantern Control, a deck that has essentially been dead since Mox Opal was banned. But Urza Saga is great in this deck. If find like, this is already a deck that played weird one of Artifacts as a toolbox. It used to have Wurr of Invention in it. Now you don't need to Wurr and screw up your mana playing that. Urza Saga is your Wurr, essentially, although it does not find bridge. Uh, you You got four bridges. But it can find your cage. It can find Pirate's Spellblum to deal the creature. It can find either Pyxis of Pandemonium or Codex Shredder to control the top of their library. It can find Welding Jar if you've already got everything and just need to protect your position. It can find the Lantern if that's what you're missing. And they're also playing a single copy of the Underworld Cookbook. No way to... No creatures to bring back with this, by the way, which is the second ability on it. This is literally just a way to empty your hand and gain life in Magic yeah. where you need to gain life. So... Uh, I think a reasonable one of to be finding with the Saga. It, it, this is, a, I think, a mainly a great addition because it gets you off of were. They're still playing blue just because they have one Tesserate Agent of Bolus, so they can win under bridge. But that's a much easier, you know, one blue mana to splash in a deck that is otherwise Golgari, because you're playing discard spells, you're playing Agent Stirrings, and, and Assassin's Stirring to deal with problematic permanents. So primarily a Golgari deck, just a touch of blue here now because of Tezzeret Agent of Bolus as well as the one Academy Ruins, uh, a little bit of sideboard stuff there as well, and then four main deck copies of Leyline of Sanctity, just to you know lock up your your burn and mill matchups that are otherwise problematic because they don't care about a bridge. So, a pretty well built you know lantern control deck. I'm a little skeptical of this one you know just because Mox Opal was so important for those explosive starts and for emptying your hand quickly with bridge but Urza Saga certainly does a lot in this deck. You know, you can play defense with those constructs. You can more quickly assemble that kind of lock to the top of their library because you have this tutor power now. Uh, and it's just, a, you know, it, uh, it's just an incredible card.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, lots of other cool new decks going on in here or decks with just upgrades. Uh, a few smatterings of Counterspell made it into the top 16, none of none the top eight, if I, if I remember right. But, you know, a few decks like there was like a an esper ish control ish type like stoneforge deck um, inverter of truth actually made it into ninth place but they didn't play any new cards in it actually I, I just like triple check this I think they have none of the new cards in it um, so very interesting there but uh, I will say nothing else like too surprising like there was a you know a blue red prowess deck that I also think had zero new cards in it that was in the top scene you know people might have just had their decks didn't have chance to get the new cards and we're like, I'm just going to, you know, play my play my deck in this thing, which, hey, I'll, you know, all power to you. And there was um, an interesting deck in, like, 15th place that was a little different and a little different build. And it's it's kind of like the zoo deck we've heard about, but, like, very different. It's not super aggro zoo with Shardless Agent. But, you know, it's got your Noble Hierarchs, but it's got Bloodbraid Elf, like Mantis Rider. It's got Omnath. But it's got the Tribal Flame, Lightning Bolt, Lightning Helix thing we were looking at. But boy, did it have a lot of new cards in it. It's got Territorial Kavu, like we talked about. sign of Draco, Ignorable Hierarch, and General Ferocious uh, Rockeric, or whatever it's called. So, uh, tons of the new cards in this one. I might have misspoke. I think I said no new cards. Let's to say it's a lot of new cards, what I meant to say. And I think this one might be the number one deck in the top 16 for amount of new cards in it. I think it says something like 20 of the new cards in it, or something like that.
1: Yeah, and and 19. I know when when I've been building around these new uh, domain cards, the issue for me has been how to make the curve work because Scion Mm -hmm. of Draco wants to play with Triomes. And traditionally, Domain Zoo has been a very low-to-the-ground aggressive deck, doesn't want to play with Triomes. And they have solved this issue by just cutting those one-drops, instead playing mana creatures. So you can go turn one, uh, you know, Hierarch of some kind, turn two, fetch a Triome, play my Scion if that's how you want to play it. Or you can curve into Mantis Rider. You can curve into Shardless Agent and hit some really powerful cards. And more importantly, you can curve into General Ferris Rockrick, and you have a ton of multicolored cards. Sometimes you're casting multiples because of the Cascade creatures, because they're playing Bloodbred Elf and Shardless Agent. You, know, you can hit the nuts of going turn two, General Ferris, turn three, Bloodbraid Elf, hit Shardless Agent, hit uh, Territorial Kavu, make three 4-4s. Four and now you're at, what, 12, 17, uh, 21. That's uh, better than the Footfalls decks. 22, 25 power on yeah, turn that's even, three. that's even better than the Footfalls decks,
0: which are like, you know, doing some other stuff. And I got to say this, you, you pointed out, I think their mana base is kind of genius. You know, it's a bunch of fetch lands into dual lands and one Triome, right? But if you look at the fetch lands, they, they can all cast the early stuff, but all of them can get uh green mana, which uh and specifically they can all get breeding pool, which casts noble hierarch, because the one triome it has is the other three colors. Right? It's the it's the Mardu Triome, uh, Savi, Savi Triome. So if you go like breeding pool noble hierarch, if you can you can like you said, you can go get the triome of the other one and you have domain on turn two with two mana. Even getting a triome now. So cool little iteration on the on the um on the lands there to make sure that they can always do pretty much everything.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I think this is the way you need to go if you want to build around the domain cards is Hierarchs and you know a little bit more mid-range. You're really taking advantage of Scion of Draco because I think it's the more powerful of the two between it and Territorial Kavu. Kavu can definitely fit into the more aggressive style, that traditional style, but the other cards in it just aren't as powerful one-on-one. General Ferris is a really powerful card. Now you're playing this Cascade engine. You're, really, you're you're taking more advantage of Scion because of all these multi- multicolored creatures and are now gaining a ton of abilities. And you're able to generate card advantage with Cascade, generate card advantage with Ferris, generate card quality with Territorial Kavu, and you have this really flexible removal package. You can kill bigger creatures with Tribal Flames, but all your uh, your removal still goes upstairs. So you can still apply a ton of pressure with this deck uh, and do a really good job of just you know racing a combo deck or, uh, you know, turning the corner really quickly if you had to play a little bit more defense early against an aggressive deck. Uh, you can definitely just have one big turn where you make multiple four fours and suddenly you're attacking immediately and ending the game really quickly with your burn.
0: Yeah, really cool deck there. If you're a big fan of big, giant creatures for very small mana costs and really efficient burn spells, th- this is the one for you. Um, the only other deck that I saw that, like, Maybe I don't want to say the only other deck, but another cool deck I saw that was in the top 16 is the actual 16th place list. And it's just, it's kind of like a blue black um, rogue deck, you know, kind of from the standard deck that we saw a little bit, but with, you know, Counterspell, Drown of the Lock, Fatal Push, you know, Snapcaster Mage, Unearth, all those kinds of things, Mishra's Bobble. But the new card it's got, it's got Dothy Voidwalker in it, which works pretty coolly with Soaring Thought Thief and Thieves Guild Enforcer. There's there's some, some interesting stuff going on here. It
1: also, like, doesn't work, right? Because then you're. Yes. As yeah. long as the Voidwalker is on the battlefield, then you're never going to turn on your rogues, and your Drowned well, in the Locks look really bad.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it, it's an interesting dichotomy they've got going on here. I think like you you time it correctly or something. I don't know. See, here's the thing: Void Voidwalker had a lot of press behind it, and maybe this should have been my vote for most overrated card because like here's the one I think that you're going to have to go through the most hoops to make good when you could have probably just been doing something else. And I'm not sure about this card. A lot of people really like it. I think it jumps off the page. I think the card obviously looks really powerful. But like I said, I think you're having to do too much to make this one good when the other cards are just seem more powerful.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I thought this card was going to fall flat, but it did show up in some decks. Uh, I wasn't surprised to see it in some decks as a sort of sideboard card, as uh, an efficient piece of graveyard hate that can provide some value. That made sense to me. Uh, But as a just standalone good card... Uh, this was not something i was expecting to show up but it does like this is not the only copy of Demir rogues across the two challenges there was another one uh, floating around somewhere so uh to me this is the kind of deck that i would have to see play out like i want to know exactly how you're sequencing to mitigate the dissynergy here because there's both synergy and dissynergy like void walker is getting better but the rogues are getting worse so it's a yeah. little, it's parasitic in that way like all, it's the synergies are only going in one direction from the rogue cards to to the void walker and so, I imagine you're pretty aggressive in using the Void Walker, um, and, but I, I would, I, I there's some careful play that I think needs to be engaged with here, and uh, um, I'm not entirely sure exactly how that would play out.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like I'm like you, you know. I I kind of explained it
1: earlier on the show.
0: I need to I need to see this one. I need to play against it. Um, my heart's telling me kind of no on this one. I'm kind of a. A kind of a, this one's kind of a stinker for me, but I don't know. If you like this kind of deck, you like this kind of strategy. It, there's a lot of good cards in it, so you know maybe it's better. Maybe it's better than we give giving a profit for. I mean, a credit for. But uh, I want to talk about what we got first place in the other. Oh, go ahead. Let's, sorry, let's, sorry. Let's tease them
1: for a little bit. while. Sure, sure. There's a couple other cool decks here in the first sure. challenge. Sure. Um, just one offhand note is we see uh, some burn decks littered throughout these, and they're they're playing like two flame rifts. So this mm-hmm. is a card that like I I kind of think that this is the result of burn players immediately putting four flangers in their deck and not being that happy with them and so they're scaling back and i kind of expect to see zero next weekend. Yeah, um, because like playing two is not really a ringing endorsement. So uh, i am i'm i think i'm going to i'm suspecting that i was right in calling that not good enough for regular burn. Uh but but we'll see next week. That's something i'm going to keep my eye on. But i wanted to highlight the 20th place list, which was the lone enchanter stack that did well. Not an archetype I expected to do well, but when I was looking over the specific list that this person played, and this is Benny Bow, I was very impressed by what they noticed in their deck building, because I think they they did something that a lot of other players would overlook, and if you look at it, every single non-land card in their main deck is an enchantment. They're playing Eidolon of Blossoms, Sanctum Weaver and sit this Harvest Hand as their only non you know, as their, their only creatures. And those are all enchantment creatures. And the rest of the deck is enchantments. And they're playing four Greater Oromancy, four Sterling Grove. So they have eight ways to give every other enchantment shroud. And so anytime they get two of them on the battlefield, their entire battlefield is now untargetable. Yeah, so is a block ha- yeah. Yeah, so this deck has a lot of good ways to just create this you know, to a pillow fort of sorts, and then obviously solitary confinement with the draw engine, which is a classic Enchantress uh, plan, uh, you know, to completely lock the opponent out of the game, really. So I, I thought that they were very smart in avoiding playing something like Mesa Enchantress that might be tempting because it's another card draw engine. You know, you have enough. You have Enchantress's presence, you have Sithis, uh, and you have Eidolon of Blossom. So those are your card draw engines. They're the three enchantment ones. So really, really smart deck building in my mind that limits the amount of potential interaction from the opponent for a deck that I think if your opponent is interacting with you profitably, you're gonna fall apart pretty quickly. And so you've gotta set up those protection cards really quickly so they're playing the full eight. You know, I like playing just the one helix pinnacle as a way to win outside of combat if you absolutely need to do that. Uh, and then, you know, good man acceleration, these good cantrips like Abundant Growth and, and Unbridled Growth, just to make sure that they get to their key cards as quickly as possible and as often as possible. So I'm not sure if this deck is going to stick around, but if it does, it's going to be list very much like this, in my opinion, because I think this is just a really good piece of deck building.
0: Ross, if I lose a game in Modern to Helix Pinnacle, I'm going to flip a damn table. <laughs> so I hope this doesn't stay around.
1: And then uh, the other deck I wanted to talk about was the 23rd place list. I knew it.
0: I knew you were going to bring this one up. This is this deck is wild. Yeah. But
1: it is an Urza, Upheaval, Food, uh, Clues, Treasures, all Karn that. Those deck. synergies. Because of Academy Manufacturer. Like Lonus, Cryptozoologist. They're playing Karn still. That's the weird one to me. Is like, I'm not sure exactly what Karn is doing here. But it's a powerful card, so I'll, I'll give that to them. But... Also, playing Witch's Oven and Cauldron Familiar because it's so good with Lonus, because you're constantly getting creatures entering the battlefield and investigating, and oftentimes, like when you have Cryptozoologist and Academy Manufacturer, now you're sacrificing a food, getting back Cauldron Familiar, then it's going to trigger, and you're going to get one of each, but you're also getting a food from Lonus, and you're also getting one of each. Like it, it, this is a deck that if you if you see it on its like operating at full blast. It's gonna look utterly absurd because you're gonna generate 15 mana over the course of two turns.
0: Yeah, I was to say. I think the reason it's doing all this is to make Urza as busted as possible. With upheaval, right? Like every time that you're casting Upheaval, it's also floating, probably you know, like eight mana along with Upheaval, and it's gonna have a board, and you are not. And if anyone who's ever played against Upheaval and Cube, this is this is like the fully powered Upheaval Cube deck. They're, gonna, they're not going to have the things that you're normally seeing where it's like signets, you know, uh, Worn Power Stone and stuff like that. You know, it's soldering. It's, it's, it's going to be food tapping for blue mana. You know, it's going to be things like that. So
1: Also, the, this one Quirion Ranger in the deck is a combo with Gingerbread Cabin. You get to keep returning it and making food that way. It's got a little bit of interaction, which is nice. The Karns uh, interact a little bit Metali- for Metallic Rebuke, the Engineered Explosives. Uh, you know, this is not a deck I'm super confident in, but I think is really cool. Uh, and certainly, like it builds out all of those synergies that you saw with academy manufacturer and the different investigate and food and, and treasure cards that are available. And I think it builds it out in a really good way. Um, but I, I'm, you know, I would probably say that this deck is likely too slow to have as little interaction as it does. But this is a this is the kind of deck that will take advantage of fair metagames. Oh yeah. Uh, so if we get to the point where the metagame slows down and blue decks are doing really well and mid-range decks are doing well, this is the kind of fair over-the-top, like, you know my synergies are so powerful, but I'm pretty resilient because I'm playing cards like Urza, that's an easy two for one. I'm generating a lot of clues you know, over the course of my game plan, my natural game plan, if I just sequence properly, that I'm going to be able to fight through a lot of disruption but I just don't want to fight through the primeval titans and the combo decks of the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. this is a a deck that I could see being a good metagame call in those kinds of spots.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely agree with you. Uh, are we going to stop teasing them now and talk to them about. Yeah. yeah, One.
1: Well, uh, no, no, we're not, we're not done. Okay.
0: We're not, there's there's one more because I saw this
1: deck in action. I was watching spike play this weekend at one point. Sure. And, uh, was the 29th place list. It was one two two Pablo, and this is Jeskai Ascendancy. And of course you liked this deck. But they're, they're playing a million new cards. They've got Sterling Grove to find Ascendancy. You can also find like Underworld Breach and Engineered Explosives. They're playing Rift Sower. That's the big one. Do you even remember what this card does?
0: This, is that the one where you take a... Wait, Rift
1: Sower is a new card, or is it a... Yeah, it's a, it's a new card. No, I don't remember what this one does. It's a 2 and a green 1-3 that taps for a mana of any color and has suspend for a green Oh, that's, right. Two. that's right. Yeah, that's so right. So it's okay. like Search for Tomorrow, but a creature.
0: So it works with Ascendancy. Yeah, So, yeah.
1: but you suspend it on turn 1, and then on mm-hmm. turn 3 you have 4 mana, and you cast Ascendancy with 1 floating, and you already have the creature ready to go. Yeah. So it sets no, up turn good. 3 kills with Ascendancy really, really well. They're playing a prismatic ending because there's so many colors. It's a very flexible removal spell. They're playing a Suspend and another in the sideboard. I think that's a great a choice of, you know, way to exile a creature because you can protect your own mana creature and then just set up to combo two turns later. But you can also answer, you know, key uh, creatures on, on the opposing side and just kill them over, over those two turns. Um, so I think just a lot of really good deck-building choices in this list uh, using a lot of new cards that were, are really overlooked. Uh, I still think this deck is a sort of, you know, fringe deck, but this is a person that plays it a lot, and I think it's very clear that they know this deck inside and out, because they found a lot of really niche cards that work really well in their deck.
0: Yeah, and some of the new cards, I don't know if you mentioned uh, Sterling Grove, whatever, which works really well in this deck, and it also has Abundant Harvest, too, which is another card that is new, and we kind of forget that it's new, because we've technically had it for longer than this set, because it was in um, the, the the what are those things called? The, the extra cards that we got out of Strixhaven. The, yeah, the extra spells. what the fuck they called that. Yeah, the, the, the cool spells that was in there. And um, now we're going to see that card. if It's going to get played in Modern or not. So uh, Modern looks really crazy right now. And we've we've only covered about like, you know, a certain portion of it. We haven't covered the deck that. I, I'm going to go ahead and start talking about this. Dom Harvey won the uh, Sunday Modern Classic with a new take on an old favorite of a lot of people's uh, decks. This, this was a favorite for a lot of people. Pioneer, when one of the cards was legal, that's not legal there anymore, and a deck that was really cool and modern for a while when certain metagames were big, this deck would come up and prey on those metagames. And uh, I'm talking about Hardened Scales. That's right, you heard me right, Hardened Scales. But... The new cards that are in here are Power Depot, Urza Saga, stop me if you know, or, or and this is a card that I mentioned when we were looking at it, thought, I thought it might show up somewhere in this, that's Zabazz the Glimmer Wasp, the new modular, get extra modular thing, so you're looking at like, kind of an extra copy of Hardened Scales in some spots, and you're looking at deck that's got Arcbound Ravager, Arcbound Worker, Hangerback Walker, and Walking Ballista, right, Along with, you know, Ancient Stirrings being one of the best card selection cards in the format in a deck like this. It found, it finds every card in the deck but Harden Scales. And then you're looking at, uh, you know, an animation module, a power conduit. You know, Welding Jar, Throne of death, And a card that you and I both thought might be good and we hadn't really seen it be good yet. And that's the Ozolith. Uh, a card that kind of has been forgotten about. That came out, like, what, about a year ago now? Uh, in Ikoria. And really hadn't had the impact that we thought it would, and if this deck is for real, then finally the Azul is going to get some love outside of Commander.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's... You know, these are obviously really strong additions, I think, to the deck. Once again, Urza Saga finds a whole host of different cards. You can find the animation module if you're going long. You can find Azul if it removal-heavy decks. You can find Welding Jar if you're about to go for the kill, but you need removal protection. You can find a threat in Zabaz or Arcbound Worker if you already have a Zabaz. Um, you know, so a lot of different options, and the, you know, once again, a small package in the sideboard with Grafters Cage, Pithing Needle, and Tormont script for key matchups. So, an- another piece of really smart deck building here with Urza Saga, and just putting into a deck where that tutor element is already you know very useful. Power Depot. I'm not a big fan of lands that enter the battlefield tapped, but obviously, like, this deck uses it so well, given that it's an artifact land, and, and it wants the modular triggers. And then Zeba has... This is just another way to power up the deck's synergies. You know, they're splashing the red aspect of it. They don't really care to give it flying, but they're, they they want to be able to, you know, sometimes destroy their own hangar backwalker or destroy their, you know, uh, their, you know, uh, modular creature that has several counters on it, uh, however they got them. So... Uh, You know, that red mana can occasionally be valuable, and, you know, this is a deck that really has only lost Mox Opal, right? And now has gained, you know, three pretty powerful cards. a Saga, the the main one, but Power Depot and Zabaz, cards that are good in the deck in particular. So not altogether surprising to see it make a return in a metagame that, that I'm sure was not suspecting it, and with several strong new additions, uh, to a deck that already has pretty powerful synergies that are killing you, you know, on turn three with a good draw.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and like, this is a deck that, um, I don't recommend just picking it up and running it in a tournament without playing a few games with it. You need to be, you need to have an app against next to you. You need to be a math major to play so this. This if, if we play this in a team
1: event, Ross is 100% playing this deck, and I'm not saying a goddamn word. You know, the thing I've learned playing this deck what little I have you know I, I'm, I don't I've never played it in a tournament I'm not sure if I've even played a league with it on, on you know on magic online but I've probably played it on Versus before and I've watched people play it and the, it, it is it's sh- it shouldn't ever surprise you if you have lethal so yeah. I, I, you basically do a lethal check every turn of the game especially if you have a hard skill so you know it, it
0: it kind of feels like um amulet you know they're like you're like you probably have a lethal this turn but it's probably
1: complicated and it yeah. probably has
0: to do with like a bunch of a bunch of moving parts you know
1: so yeah you gotta you gotta you, you always gotta be wary that or be cognizant of the fact that you know you might have lethal you never know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the uh, the
0: old hearthstone thing one of, one of the first things we would do every turn is like you reassess everything like you just the first thing you always do every turn is you reassess everything and you look to see if you have a lethal and then if not okay, now I'm going to figure out what I need to do to set up lethal for the next turn. And so, like, that's what that's what this is. That's what this deck is doing. And um, I'm wondering if this deck's going to be a real player. Here's the thing. I think he was one of the only people to play this. Like, you know, I don't think he was, like, the one person of, like, five that, you know, made it through and then he won. I think he was, like, probably the only person to register this deck this weekend. And I've seen some hype behind it on Twitter. Some other people said they have run it through a league. One person said they ran it through a league with, like, kind of dry and they had no idea what they were doing like they were sideboarding and they five-o'd easily. So like, you know, you know people say stuff like that, so I'm not sure how easy it was, but uh, this is a deck that could be a contender because this is really powerful and like you said with Urza's Saga getting added to it, it's got that extra like toolboxy spot where it can it can put you in some weird spots where like, yeah, you're holding up removal or whatever for it. like, you know, you're holding up your ancient grudge or your natural state or whatever, but like they can just play a turn or two slow because you're not doing anything and then set up a redundant way to kill you.
1: Yeah, and I, that's an important part if you're going to pick up this deck as well, is that you don't always have to go in. You know, you yeah, yeah. you know, you can you can hold back and force them to either make a one-for-one trade and maybe run them out of removal or force them to constantly hold up that removal spell and waste that mana turn after turn while you're continuing to develop your battlefield. And that's one thing that Urza Saga is really good at. You know, if you think your opponent is holding up that removal because you're showing them lethal, you can Urza Saga and start pumping out Constructs, find another threat, find an Azalith, and really bury them on the battlefield, even in the face of good shatter effects. Actually, even in the face of, like, Stony Silence, if people want to start bringing that one back. Like, Urza Saga is a great card against Stony Silence. You just make two big constructs and start going to town.
0: Yeah, and start attacking them. Let's go. And stuff like that. So uh, this, this is a deck I got to believe we're going to see more of. I, I think this is this is not a flash in the pan.
1: I agree. I, agree. I think the deck looks really good on paper to me. Uh, I, you know, uh, I'm... A big Dom Harvey fan. I think he's an incredible How could you not be? Magic player and very good deck builder. Yeah. Uh, so you know, would not surprise me at all to see this one stick around over the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in third place, I'm gonna talk about this for like two seconds. Uh, was a Niv Mizzet uh, Omnath Locus Creation deck. Uh, only cool, interesting years. They're playing General Ferocious and or Feria. What? have Whatever the guy's name. Ferris. Is. Ferris. Whatever. Need of Iron. Sure, yeah, you told me this. I'm, I'm going to always forget it, though. Uh, that's the only thing. But I will say this. I am interested with the fourth place deck, because this is one that's utilizing a card that you and I hyped quite a bit. We hyped it for a slightly different version of this deck, and then I was like, I don't know how we didn't make the leap to this. The card that I'm mentioning is Ignoble Hierarch. We talked a lot about you know Golgari Infect, this, Golgari Infect, that, and how did we not move to Yawgmoth? Because in fourth place is a Yawgmoth deck with Ignoble Hierarch, and this just kind of makes sense to me. It's got a Yavamaya, but it's also got a Grist in it, which is like another little cool thing that uh that showed up, you know, because you can go get it with Edric's
1: Evolution and Court of Calling that's in this deck too. So lots of cool little toolboxy stuff here. Yeah, I you know, I think Ignoble Hierarch in this deck is, is something I expected. I don't think we we brought it up, uh, but it's definitely something that crossed my mind. That's actually, you know, it's a, it's an upgrade on Birds of Paradise. It's a small one, but it's an upgrade. Um, so happy to see that one here. I actually think the Grist is the more notable inclusion, because this is not something that is as obvious, but it really goes well in the deck. Because this is a deck that, while it does have that combo with Augmoth that it's trying to set up, it can just grind through, because it has all these creatures that have multiple lives. It can sort of play this mediocre beatdown plan, and Grist is a card that helps you in those grindy games by just pumping out insect tokens, but it also provides the deck with a little bit of interaction. And when you're playing these kind of grindy games, sometimes your opponent just slams a Teferi or slams a bit you know, a big threat that you just can't really answer and goes over the top of you. And so having a tutorable way to answer planeswalker or creature of any kind that synergizes with your deck is really, really nice. So I think it's a very smart one up for this deck. And honestly, like I'm 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 more excited to see that in the deck than ignoble hierarchy, even though I think hierarchy is, you know, the objectively better card.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Got to agree with you on all this stuff. Lots of lots of cool things going on um, here. Now, the fifth place deck after this one is another one that's having just an this absurd. Is my favorite deck, and it might be a lot of people's favorite deck because I've seen so much hype.
1: But, but this is a different one than one I've like i've seen i think this deck has evolved over even over the course of a few days
0: yeah it's evolved a lot people are changing it and this is what people are calling um i'm trying to remember the nickname it was like new hogak but they were calling it uh, just food Gak, like tr- like troll gack or something Gak, like yeah uh, i've heard it's either food Gak or so Troll so this is the feasting troll king deck that's that's making a big splash in modern right now um the version that we're looking at has like Emery Cauldron Familiar Feasting Uh Feasting Troll King. A lot of people are playing Oval Chase Daredevil. This is a card from uh, a little bit of a while ago. It's like a it's a four-mana four-two uh human that when an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may return this card from your graveyard to your hand. So lots of synergies here with this. And you're looking at, you know, just like a bunch of cheap stuff to go through, like Trail of Crumbs. I've seen some different versions of this. But the new cards in it are the ones that are big. And again, you're seeing another deck utilize Urza Saga here. But you're also seeing the Underworld Cookbook, which we mentioned earlier, but it's also got the combo with it of the creature. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce this guy's name.
1: Asmore is the abbreviation
0: for it. Yeah, it's got and it's got Asmore going along with the Underworld Cookbook here, which does some very interesting and cool things with uh, Feasting Troll King, does it not?
1: I mean, it, it 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 only it just finds copies of the Underworld Cookbook and lets you sacrifice foods to deal damage, right?
0: Yeah, but I mean, like it gives you another, uh, like another route, is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like, th- this is a deck that is generating food synergies, and you know, I saw this start a few days ago as a mm-hmm. as a hollow one vengevine deck. You know, people yeah, have, and then people
0: like, figured out that they're Inquiry like and
1: goblin lore and stuff like that. Like yeah, hollow one deck. And then I saw a list that cut vengevine and moved to just play like four as four cookbook, and feasting troll king. But I didn't see other food synergies, and it kind of threw me off. I was like, I'm not sure if like that's enough, right? Because like you can you could probably get a a quick feasting troll king under the battlefield, but if they deal with your troll king, like it's going to be hard to get enough food to bring it back, right? Uh, You know, maybe you wait three turns and you just slowly get there with a cookbook, but you know, uh, know, uh, I'm not sure if that's powerful enough. Now we're seeing fully fleshed out food synergies. You've got. You know, not only cookbook, you've got trailer crumbs that makes food, you've got witch's oven that makes food, you have Urza Saga to find, either more cookbooks or more ovens as you need. If you're, you know, have these artifacts in play and you don't want to do anything with them, they're playing a couple metallic rebukes, three of those, to, you know, help interact a little bit. Emery to bring those artifacts back to the battlefield as well. So you're really getting a lot of witches, you're you're consistently getting Witches Oven and Cookbook onto the battlefield in this deck in a lot of different ways. And then you're taking advantage of it with Trail of Crumbs and with Cauldron Familiar. So really moving into the food synergies, which I think makes a lot more sense. And then mainly winning with Troll King, with Constructs, and maybe with Hardcast, Oval Chase, daredevils. who knows? But that's, that's more of an early game, at least, a, a source of card advantage here. So you keep having food to discard to cookbooks and, and whatnot. So I think this is a, a more mature version of where they were going, even though it's very, very different. Um, and something that now is... look Now th- this looks really interesting to me. The, the other deck, I think rightfully so, looked like it was caught between two different decks. And now they've picked a lane. of like, you know what? We're a food deck. You know, and the, it, it makes it pick the lane <laughs> yeah you could and you can see it because they're playing a lot of Throne of Eldraine cards which is where the food engine you know is with Troll King Emery called and familiar Trail of Crumbs Witch's Oven so 15 cards from Throne of Eldraine that's a good sign because that set's broken and then we've got the Asmores and Cookbooks and the new set was a saga to, to uh, you know get it all together uh, and then even Street Wraith to, to enable Asmores so yeah, like all this deck looks really tight. I, I like all the numbers in it. I think like two Trellochromes makes sense. It's not a card you want to flood on. Calton familiar also not a card you want to flood on. So that's where you can find some space. Four of's of all your key cards. Importantly, very, playing Misher's Bauble, which is another card you can find off of Saga. You just want to draw a card off of it uh, if you need to find you know something other than cookbook and oven. Uh, you have a just sort of generic thing to find. And, and while the deck looks really weird on paper. This is a deck to me that that seems like it's gonna work it's basically a demure deck i imagine there's a little bit of green mana because you've got trail of crumbs there's probably a, yeah there's a good amount of green cards on the sideboard but so really sort of a Sultai deck i would say um which is very different than the, the list that we're playing you know burning inquiry that we're almost mono red uh, but this is I'm, i've heard a lot of people talk about potentially cards getting banned from this deck. So maybe a little bit disappointing to only see one copy across both top 32s, but this might have also been a deck that needed a lot of the weekend to start coming together. and uh, Maybe not everybody had the most updated list, so this is definitely, with all the hype it's gotten, a deck that I have my eye on to see how it does next weekend.
0: Yeah, and speaking of decks that you had an eye on, I had to look over this deck list multiple times, the deck that finished in 6th place here, and just kind of try to get it. and. So this is just blue-white control, and I'm sure people at home are going to be like, "What was, was so weird about blue-white control, or whatever?" And so when you look at it, there's a couple new cards in it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna slow slow burn them over right here. So, Counterspell makes a showing here. There's four counter spells. Prismatic ending makes a showing here. It's a card you and I both talked about as being a possibility of showing up in decks like this. Just a, you know, a, a good way to do uh t- to kill a few things. I and mean, there's there's a there's a copy of watery grave in the deck as well to kind of give it another color. To go along with prismatic ending, you know, give it a little bit of reach as well there. But it's the thing
1: people used to do with engineered explosives.
0: Right, right. You have like the one off off color land, you know, kind of thing. But then when you go to look at the new cards, there's some interesting ones here, along with some of the cards that are in the deck list. And there's some stuff going on here that's, that's a little different because you're looking at the traditional blue white cards. Like you got the Teferis, you know, snapcasters, verdicts, counter spells, ops, force negations, you know, path exiles, all that stuff. There's four Urza Sagas in this deck, Ross. And I was just like, wait, what? I did not expect this, right? And I'm gonna read off the cards that it can get, because this is kind of cool. It can go get two expedition maps, which, you know, help fix the mana, go find the third color, you have a field of ruin, you know, whatever. It's got three Mishra's Baubles, so you can cycle through your deck a little bit faster, so your deck's a little thinner, you know, you get stuff. And it's got a brainstone, which is actually pretty cool in this deck, because it goes and finds you a brainstorm because you have a lot of ways to shuffle and a lot of ways to clear through these cards, you know, expedition maps, another way to shuffle and stuff like that too. So, uh, some interesting stuff going on here in this blue white deck.
1: Yeah. I I assume mainly here to just make some constructs in the mid game and apply pressure to opposing control decks, maybe trade for a creature or two because they're not going to be very big constructs, right? Maybe you could have one other artifact in their three threes when all is said and done. Uh, but that's maybe all that you really need. So, uh, yeah, a, a cool utilization of Ursa Saga, certainly not maximizing the card, but this to me is demonstrative of just how powerful the card is, that it could be effective in a shell that isn't really looking to maximize it.
0: 100% agree, hit it right on the head. Now, it does get a little better after Sideboard, right? And that's where you're going to see, like, I think the real power of the card come out. So, like, you're using your mana base to make your Sideboard better. You're looking at the Sideboard having a Zurin Orb in it, so a new card, uh, Pithing Needle. Uh, Relic of Progenitus and a Graft Digger's Cage in sideboard. So, uh, just extra copies of your sideboard cards are now in your land slots in this deck. So, cool stuff there. You know, you gotta you, you gotta give it to this person. This is an interesting take and a spot that I did not think we'd see this card. And I'm gonna say this, and we haven't even gotten to another reason why I think the, the biggest breakout card this weekend was Urza's Saga. And you know, that's gonna talk about when we talk about Legacy. Is I've already seen people asking the question on Twitter. How long until Urza Saga is banned? And then someone said six months tops. Like, firmly six months tops. So, we'll have to see. Um, you know, there's other stuff we're going to talk about, obviously, but it's looking real good right now. And maybe this is just, you know, everyone's trying to put it in every deck, and it'll get flushed out, and it'll be in just a few decks afterwards, and that's fine, but we'll have to see. But if it's if it's going to start being in this many different archetypes, Ross, this card is obscenely strong.
1: Yeah, and really you know s- strong not not just in a multi- multitude of decks but a multitude of strategies right we're seeing it in creature combo decks we're seeing it in aggressive decks we're seeing it in sort of toolboxy decks where it's finding key components of the engine that's like the Asmore f- food deck and now we're seeing it in a control deck where it's just generating reasonable value uh, and not really enabling any specific synergies. so Just a card that is so powerful by itself that it can really be a a chameleon. It can fit into so many different types of decks, not just, you know, sort of different flavors of the same kind of strategy. Uh, You know, not just different kinds of artifact aggro decks. You know, it's also in the in in, showed up in Lantern, and you see it actually later on in in this challenge in uh, the—they call it Dicetron— the like mm-hmm. Astral Cornucopia Surge yeah, yeah. deck, which is just another yeah. like mopey artifact prison kind of uh weird synergy deck that you know Urza Saga really does a good job of helping you find. It can find Everflowing Chalice, it can find Surge Node. So find sort of both halves of of that engine as well. So yeah, a really, really impressive showing from this card and certainly uh you know on par with Shardless Agent as you know the, the top two cards uh on the weekend.
0: Yeah, we even see it, you know, we didn't talk about it much. You know, the, the deck showed up a little bit this weekend, but we did see a little bit of um, the Primeval Titan, you know, Amulet of Vigor decks this weekend. They did show up. They did do put up some some pretty good numbers. Urza Saga, obviously a big addition to that. Yavomai, a big addition to that. And I've been hearing rumblings that, like, this deck might actually just be much better than the than the the showings that it put up this weekend. A lot of people are saying they think this deck's really messed up, and they think Urza Saga's really good in it. You know, I said on the, I think it's like either last week or the week before, that... Um, I had a I had a person send me the math on it. And I need to go look at it of how much better it makes this deck and how much more consistent it makes this deck. So I am gonna I'm gonna go out and say I, I think you say it's on par. I'm gonna go with yeah, uh or just like a ahead. Maybe it's on par and modern. It's on par and modern. I'll give it that.
1: Yeah. I'm not weighing legacy that much, to
0: be honest. See see I am. And I want it in like I don't know if there's any more decks you wanted to you know talk about for like a second or two because I think I think we covered most of like the new things that were going on in modern and all the crazy things that were going on. Was there anything else?
1: Um, give me one second sure. as I scroll yeah. up because there was uh, there was
0: was it the ad nauseum deck that had one new card in it.
1: Yeah, they're playing profane tutor, which is like yes. kind of neat. No, it's I mean, yeah. um, it's the the Esper Stoneblade deck. There's one in 31st place or no, that's the in 30th place in this challenge. I think there was one in the previous challenge as well. Uh, and this is a deck that, you know, looks like a typical sort of I would say jun to style deck, uh just a pile of, you know, good disruption, efficient threats, uh, and, and you know, discard removal in this case that they're also playing counterspell. This is a, was an interesting deck to me. Uh, in part because it's playing calder Complete as part of its Stoneforge Mystic package, uh, you know. Obviously, you know if your Stoneforge Mystic dies, being stuck with a seven-drop in your hand isn't great. But in a deck with six discard spells, where you can force it through, if you get the calder Complete down, they're dead. Oh, they're real dead. So yeah. I definitely like it in a deck that can protect the Stoneforge Mystic for a turn or force it through, and that's what the discard spells help you do. They're also playing Esper Sentinel in that that package, just a way to generate, like a, a cheap way to generate for a good value. And it's also a way to you know, punish them with your uh, Stoneforge Mystic. Like maybe they use a one mana removal spell on Esper Sentinel. Ooh, that's Henry. So, somebody's angry. He heard something outside. Yeah, um, that's how my dog is. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, I thought that was a, a good addition to the stack, I will say i'm a little bit worried about this deck in terms of its mana it's playing Void mm. voidwalker and counterspell and white yeah cards yeah there, there are two copies of sunken ruins in the deck's mana base so they made it they made a concession to it which i appreciate but i'd still be a little bit worried about this deck's mana uh but looks like a pretty reasonable you know good stuff deck if that's kind of your thing you know playing esper sentinel Void voidwalker stoneforge mystic spell queller has one dam in it, which is a nice one for a deck like this, because it, it's nice to have a sweeper in this deck, but it's even better to have a sweeper that you could just cast as a cheap removal spell. Uh, you know, one Kai's Guile as a, as a versatile card, a couple copies of Teferi here. Uh, you know, if you're the if you're the Jund player, just the sort of good stuff player, this is a deck that I might give a second look um, because I think it, it uses Dothi Voidwalker really well, I think he uses Stoneforge Mystic really well, I think he uses Esper Sentinel really well, so... Uh, it just outside of the mana, I liked all the spells. So if the mana is workable, then I'm interested. I could see counterspell not being worth it in a deck like this, and playing you know maybe a couple drown in the locks and a couple more you know tight hollow scholars or something like that to get to get your disruption and make your mana a little bit easier. Uh, but th- this was an interesting deck to me because it, it's kind of unassuming because it's just kind of a mopey midrange deck. But I think it's doing some powerful things.
0: Absolutely. And can we talk about doing even more powerful things? Can we talk about Legacy?
1: Yeah, we can talk about Legacy. There was a reanimator I, deck at the end. It's medium. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever. There's really not much to say about it. Let's
0: see, we'll see if they get that flushed out. Because if you want to do reanimation stuff, just play Living End right now in yeah, exactly. uh, in Monteria. Um, I, I think the first deck that I'm going to bring up is one of the ones that's using probably the most new cards. I didn't do the, the math on all of them, but... The deck that won the first Legacy Challenge this weekend is a deck that we haven't seen be good in Legacy in quite a while. And this is a new updated version of Steel Stompy. And for people at home that don't know what that is, it's like, it's just an Arcbound Ravager deck. You know, it's just it's just affinity from back in the day. You're looking at a deck that's got Walking Ballista, Stone Cold Serpent, Arcbound Ravager, Aether Sworn Canonist Main, along with Emry and Psy, uh, Master Thopterist. Um, you're looking at Mox Opal, and another card that gets played in Legacy because it's a commander card. Usually not in this deck, it gets played a lot in Ninjas. Yeah, that's a deck in Legacy by the way, but this is Retrofritter Foundry, this is a card that can let you go like in the long game as well. With some decks that have a bunch of removal in them. But one of the things that really powers up this deck in Legacy versus any other format is, you get to play the artifact lands that don't come into play Taft. You get to play, this deck has Ancient Din and it has Seed of the Cyanide. Oh, and oh, oh, yeah, it gets Urza Saga as well. You know, another card that's busted in, in this deck. Also, it gets Ancient Tomb, which for obvious reasons is busted in a deck like this. But you're looking at a deck that's got Urza Saga, Esper Sentinel, it's got Zabaz that we talked about earlier, and two cards we haven't really talked about too much with Nettle Sliced and Thought Monitor. And Thought Monitor is a sweet one in this deck for one because it's kind of like your Thought Cast mixed in with a threat from the original Affinity decks and it's our first sighting of these cards so i'm i'm pretty excited about uh, seeing this deck be good uh, were you surprised to
1: see something like this do this well um you know i i have to say yes it's you know if you would ask me before the weekend and especially with how, just how well it did you know if you go down the line there's a lot of affinity decks in these top 32s they actually mostly look a little bit different than the winning list the winning list is a little bit more disruptive a little bit slower The other lists are playing things like Ornithopter. Like they're all
0: in, yeah. Yeah, it's
1: a little bit more all in. More cheap creatures. Thought Cast in addition to Thought Monitor. Uh, So a lot of their card advantage coming from those affinity cards. So they really want to just get to the battlefield really quickly. Um, But once again, seeing the power of Urza Saga and also the power of Nettlesist here. That's a a common card across all of these lists. So. It's sort of a cranial plating that comes along with a creature, so it can provide some card advantage really that way by forcing out a removal spell and then still sticking around.
0: Yeah, I was going to read that one for people real quick because it's not a card that we've talked about on the show before. Analysis is a three-mana artifact equipment. It's got Living Weapon, so it comes with a token. Um, The equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control and equips for two. So this thing hits really hard in this deck or gets really big really fast.
1: There, there's another copy of this deck that's sixth place the second day that's more like the winning list from the from the first day there's a few more down the the standings in in the first day so really a great weekend for this steel stompy or affinity whatever you want to call it deck. yeah artifact aggro is really yeah uh, the the descriptive name of it so yeah uh, i would say relative to expectation this has to be the best performing deck of the weekend so certainly oh. a surprise
0: Absolutely. You know, it's got, you know, Thorn of Amethyst, Surgical Extraction, Swords of Plasters, Enchant, and Sideboard. Lots of ways to, you know, either deal with the decks that are as fast as you it can kill as fast as you, or slow down the decks that are, you know, like a little bit faster than you, like Storm or something. You know, you just, you know, try to mulligan to a Thorn of Amethyst deck and play it on turn one or turn two with Ancient Tomb, you know, kind of stuff. So uh, it's got game in, in other spots. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of s- skip the second place list here because it's just... Uh, it, it's the Bant control deck that we've seen for quite a while in Legacy. They're just playing Prismatic Ending, which seems like a, a natural thing. I kind of just want to move immediately into what got third in the first one here, and this is a deck that people knew was coming. This deck is very good, and I saw the numbers on it this weekend, and obviously I'm talking about the Del- the new Delver of Secrets decks. It was something like, like 30%, of all the top placing decks and it won like 58% of its match or something. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of these numbers directly, f- you know, from memory, but it put up absurd results this weekend. And I'm going to have to kind of eat my words on one of the cards in it. Cause one of the cards, I was a little unsure. I didn't think it was good in modern, but boys, this card showing up and been very good in legacy. And that is dragon Rages Chandler. Yeah. And you, you I've been to... hearing this card is insane.
1: Um, you know, I think it makes sense to me that that it's better in Legacy than it, than it is in Modern. It's another card that just get, takes advantage of the fact that there isn't as much removal around uh, in Legacy or in Legacy as there is in Modern, and it's pretty easy to just you know tear through your deck, especially with the surveil triggers that Channeler gives you, and and get to uh, Delirium on turn two, turn three, turn four. Uh, and yet,
0: let's 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 talk about that, right? Because When you look at it, this deck seems like it would be harder to get Delirium than some of the, you know, the decks we've seen in modern, like, you don't have a Mishra's Bobble, right? You don't have a Seal of Fire, like, you don't have, like, the little cute stuff, right? This deck has lands, creatures, incense, and sorceries, like, that's it, right? You know, and it has to have one of each, right? So, if a creature never goes into your graveyard, like, you're probably winning, but you have the surveil to help you do that, right? You're going to be casting all your other stuff. You have wastelands and fetchlands to get in your graveyard the natural way. The fact that this surveils every time you cast a spell in this deck, I think, is something that gets overlooked. Especially in a format where you generally know the top card or two of your deck after casting ponders and brainstorms, and you know whether you want to get rid of them or not, so you can kind of churn through your deck even faster than normal. And not to mention how much it just naturally feeds one of the other new cards in the deck, and that's Murktide Regent, which is a card I said was going to, like, I'm I'm big on this card. I think it's going to be very good. It's generally going to be blue-blue for, like, a 7-7 or 8-8 flyer. And you can do that as early as, you know, turn three with backup in this deck, with having a Force of Will or having a Daze behind it or something like that. So um, lots of good, really aggressive things going on here. And talking about good and aggressive, this is the first time we're going to mention this card, on the cast, which I thought it was going to be good in this format. Not so much about Modern. And we're seeing it be pretty good here. It's got a Ragavan. You know, it's got three Ragavans in this deck. And I think this is a format where you're really going to see this card take off. And I got to watch some games get played with this card. And it, it's kind of like what you said, Ross. When it hits a player, it feels really bad. Like, you don't feel like you could win.
1: Yeah, you just you feel so far ahead. Like, every mana in legacy is so important. You're all operating on low land counts. You're making two or three land drops a game and casting zero and one mana spells for the most part. And so a single mana often just means an extra spell for you on a given turn, and that's a huge tempo advantage, and it keeps doing it. And then, even you know, as opposed to flooding, eventually you start hitting spells from the top of their deck, and now you're getting tempo and card advantage at the same time. So, yeah, no surprise to see these Delver decks... Uh, adopt both one mana threats from Modern Horizons two to pair with their delvers, and now you're looking. You, know, you said on the cast last week that when the delver decks get two good, one mana threats problems start to arise. They get to be too good, too consistent. Well, now they have three Tannin. Yeah, now
0: it's got eleven copies because you're looking at four delvers, four Dragon Rages, and three Ragavan. So like, you're always gonna have a one drop in this deck, like always. And yeah. for anyone who's played with... with,
1: hope like cl- cross your fingers if yeah. my delver player starts on a ponder.
0: Yeah, because here's the thing, that's actually my secret, if people didn't know this over the years, of, like, why I was so good at the Delver, like, why I put up good numbers with it, I just always had Delver one, like, always, <laughs> like, what was the old saying back when I used to play Grixis Delver, when DRS was legal, um, Burton used to joke about it, he'd say, like, his, his, uh, his games were all the same, you know, they'd be like, alright, you can start your round, and we'd be playing, and he would, like, play his first turn, like, say go, and when his opponent would, like, draw his card, he'd always look over, and he'd be like, yeah, I'd always look over, I'd see an underground C, and a DRS, and he goes, like, oh, good, we're up 1-0, you know, like, he, just, he just knows, like, yeah. And so now I can relax. Yeah, I could relax. Yeah, that's that. That's a win. And I got to say this: like, I, I think this deck is going to be very, very good.
1: Um, I, I mean, obviously, it's very good. It's the best I, deck anyway. I, I searched through both pages. There's 24 copies of Blue Red Delver across the 64 deck lists That's deck three out of eight. It. That's 375 yeah. percent.
0: Now, I mean, people are going to play this deck a lot. It's going to be very popular. It's gonna. It is very good. So it's going to put up absurd numbers. Obviously, the deck's busted. Ragavan gets even better when this is the best deck because in the mirror now Ragavan becomes like you cannot let a Ragavan hit you. You just you cannot because they're going to be able to cast every card in your deck and they're going to cast every card in their deck when they hit it. Like there's not they're never going to they're never going to flip over some card besides like force of will. Like that's the card they could flip over and be this, like, well, I want
1: me in a Dreadhorde Arcanist.
0: Yeah. And it's it's going to be absurd. And you're starting to see it in, in some of the builds like this one doesn't have it. But a lot of us have been talking about it, about what cards we should be playing in our sideboards to kind of help this out. And, you know, I've been hearing things as long as you're seeing more Blazing volleys now. I've been hearing about Gut Shots getting played because it answers Dragon Rage Chandler 2 as well, as long as you don't Delirium. Um, I'm really big on just, we should probably be playing a lot of Blue Elemental Blast now in this format as well because it stops Expressive yep. Veneration too. Yep. You know, and it helps protect your creatures away because, like, you're seeing, you know, this version has seven uh, seven bolts in it. It's got four, four uh, lightning bolts and three chain lightnings because... You need to kill Raghavan. You need to kill Dragon Rage's Chandler. And you have Red Elemental Blasts for Delver of Secrets and Murktide Regent. And so I I was joking today. Someone's like, if you had to play Legacy tomorrow, what would you play? I was like, a Snapcaster deck with eight eight Rebs. Like, the the, the, the red ones and the blue ones. Let's go. Like, like all of them. Let, let's just go. I'll put some Uros in it. We'll figure out a way to win. You know? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'll just kill everything they do. But here's the problem with with that. And this is what makes this deck so good. You can have the draws where you just, like, kill all their threats, and they're just going to keep making more of them. Like, they churn through their deck so fast, all their threats can kill you by themselves is the problem. And then if you're playing these cards that are, like, good against them, like, you're generally playing cards like Brainstorm, Ponder, and all that stuff. So if, if a Ragavan does hit you, now they're getting value off your stuff as well. So this, this is by far the deck to beat. In Legacy right now, you you have to have this deck in mind. You will play it if you play eight rounds. You're going to play it at least three times in a tournament. That it's going to happen. This is going to be the most played deck and the best deck in the format. And I I don't know what else to say. Like we're seeing some 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 different builds of it. You know, I'm seeing Forked Bolt show up a little bit again. I think that's another card that you can have on your radar. Um, you know, like I'm I'm seeing versions of Hydroblast. I'm seeing Blood Moons in the sideboard and try to get people with Ragavan and Blood Moon. I mean, there's a lot of things going on here.
1: Yeah, there, it's definitely going to be warping the metagame over the coming weeks. You're going to see more red removal in these Dalver decks in order to answer you know, the key creatures early. You're going to see fewer of the two mana threats that die to those red removal spells. Like, I, I would not touch Young Pyromancer with a 10-foot pole if people are playing Forked Bolt and Blazing Volley in their deck. Uh, so that's definitely something to look out for. The thing that I'm scrolling down trying to find is where are the spell-based combo decks? Like when yeah in, in the treasure cruise arrow like when everyone was playing on Pyromancer or on forked Bolt in their deck they didn't have any spell pierces they were on nothing but force and days and i just played storm and i was like yeah mm-hmm. cast your treasure cruise you're going to draw three irrelevant cards <laughs> well I, I mean i'm not yeah, seeing any i'm not seeing any spell-based combo here
0: i think we're going to see a little bit of a correction towards that right like i think there's going to be a little bit of a correction but also like don't forget how important Ragavan and Dragon Rage Chandler are in these strategies, in the fact that they help mitigate that problem. Like, Ragavan gives you more mana and gets cards from your deck, right? So, like, I might randomly get a Ponder, I might randomly get a brainstorm, but I also get more mana. So now I'm, like, hard-casting my Force of Wills or Force of Negations faster than I would have been, and, and I can leave up mana. your threats as quickly as you draw them. Yes. Because yeah, you and still I'm... have the mana up to do whatever right. else you need. So like I'm 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 double and triple spelling way faster than I would have been normally. Usually a turn faster. Dragonary Chandler gets through all the chafe in your deck. Like you're almost never you're never getting brainstorm locked again. Like you're like none of that's like it. The, the small little the good Delver players, the ones that you know are good, always get the small little extra edges. You know like they fetch in their upkeep with the Delver trigger on the stack. You know like they get to get the scry out of it. You know like the little things. You know, and then there's now even more to do with, it. like, I can't wait to play these cards physically and find all the little extra, you know, 2 to 3% edges that go along with it and go along this deck. But I do expect an uptick in, like, Storm and stuff like that. You know, decks that are going to be like, well, your opening hand is going to be like Delver of Secrets, Ragavan, Chain Lightning, Expressive of Mineration, Ponder, like, Land, Land, and I'm just going to kill you. Because you can't ever get rid of that hand. Like, that hand's too good right or like it has a bolt in it and you're like lol bolt like this you know you've just mulliganed a four okay i
1: I found i found a spell-based combo deck okay it's the 19th place list from the challenge that got posted on the 6th uh
0: that's the one that i'm looking at right there was the challenge and then the showcase so like technically it had two you know two events this this weekend
1: this is the showcase so the 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 bigger event of the two Hmm.
0: I was going to actually wait to talk about the Showcase again because there you can actually see course correction already starting to happen in the Showcase a little bit with like some sideboard oh, inner choices and stuff.
1: Deck. Yeah, so uh, you know, I think it's pretty clear that... or Well, mm-hmm. I guess it's not super clear. It was another Doomsday deck. So I'm seeing a lot more spell-based combo in the Showcase than we did in the initial challenge. And mm-hmm. that is a likely a uh, correction to the fact that everyone sees you know a lot more removal having to be put into these Delver decks, and that means mm-hmm. less disruption for spell based combo
0: and yeah and like if you look at it like if you look at you know um you know stainerson's f- first place list you're seeing two forked bolts main you know something i haven't seen and I-, I don't know if i've ever seen that you know like maybe with elves and dnt were like the most popular decks period kind of thing or whatever but in your sword in, in the sideboard you're seeing you know four pyroblasts in the sideboard four of them making sure that he can kill a murktide regent making sure that he can you know stop some of these blue spells and you're seeing some other stuff, like you see a Null Rod and a Meltdown, actual Meltdown Ross, in the sideboard because uh, both of these cards just get all the permanents that are in play from the Affinity deck, except for you know one or two can survive through Meltdown, like the the big flyer that has like a eight mana cost can survive. It but
1: importantly, you're hitting a lot of their lands.
0: Well, yeah, Meltdown kills our lands, Null Rod kills either one of these cards. If you cast them against Affinity, they're probably dead or, or still something. are they're, they're they're probably not coming back from either one of these cards. But, you know, Meltdown can do some stuff in some other matchups while, while Null Rod can as well. So uh, you're, you're seeing course corrections and stuff here. You're seeing Gutshot in the second place list, you know, um, that, that has two Chain Lightnings, four Lightning Bolts main. And then you're seeing Shattering Spree in the sideboard of this deck. You know, more stuff that kills artifacts that also flips your Delver of Seekers and triggers your Dragon Rage Channeler. You know, things like that. So, like, making sure you get things like you're even seeing Relic of Progenitus in some of these decks showing up in sideboard, and that one kind of interests me a little bit because it's kind of a non-bow with a lot of the cards in your deck. You know, um, that one I'm not so sure of, but, you know, you're seeing a lot of stuff, you know, so you're seeing Mishra's Bobble show up in Phil Philhelmius' version of this deck, too, and something like that. And you're seeing expressive iteration get cut down a little bit, and I, I think that kind of makes sense because, like, I'm not cutting Ponder, I'm not cutting Brainstorm, right? So if I'm going to, s- and, like, I'm getting good card selection on my Dragon Rage Channelers, the expensive one can probably go a little bit, right? Like, you're almost never casting... Uh, expressive iteration until like turn three, but I will say this: the Raghavan games let your expressive iterations be better and more aggressive too. So there's a lot of stuff that I don't think we've seen even remotely near the final accepted form of this deck, but almost everyone's playing this kind of build.
1: Yeah, there's the core of the deck that everyone sort of agrees on. And then it's Mm -hmm. how do I take the flex spots and give myself the most edge in the mirror, the most edge against these affinity decks that are popping up while, you know, also being cognizant of some of the, you know, wide openness of Legacy, you know, people playing different combo decks, different control decks, and whatnot.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm seeing, like, Vilhelmly cut a Wasteland to make a little extra room in his deck. You know, like, like some, some interesting stuff going on here.
1: That has typically happened, right, when the Delver decks mm-hmm. are two colors, and they usually mm-hmm. play, you know, two, three, four basic lands. If they are two mm-hmm. colors, the wa- value of Wasteland does go down quite a bit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I mean here's another deck when you look at when you look in um, fourth place, no new cards here. But this is a deck that I've always said I think is underrepresented and underplayed in um, in legacy right now, especially if Delver is public enemy number 1, right? And you need to make sure you can beat Delver. And people are going to be oversideboarding for it. And we mentioned this deck earlier the like, cast Hogak, actual Hogak. Coming in at fourth place, you know, Tark Patel Eats Your Heart Out. You know, I know he like loves his deck in Legacy. I actually have it sleeved up and never got to play with it or whatever. But this is another deck where if, you know, everyone's overboarding for these decks and, you know, people's graveyard choice, uh, graveyard hate cho- of choice is the ones that only hit one card, you know, like Surge Goal or whatever. Like this deck can pivot a lot of different ways of, you know, Alter Dementia. You have Bridge from Below and Hogak that do some broken stuff in the graveyard along with Gravecrawler. This is a deck that can contend and keep up with those decks, and and kill faster than those decks as well.
1: It's just going over the top of what Mm -hmm. Raghavan and and Dragon's Rage Channeler are doing, at least with with a reasonable draw. So, yeah, definitely a a smart choice, uh, but one that, this is never one that's going to consistently beat Delver over the course of months. If your Delver opponent wants to beat you, they can beat you. It's just a matter of catching them when they, you know, when they're not prepared.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, the big thing for me, and I got to say this, I keep seeing um, Submerge in a lot of the Delver sideboards. I think that's something we're going to see cut down a little bit, depending on what happens in the next week or two in Legacy. Legacy moves very fast at this time, like when new cards happen, you know, you, you know, you see people course correcting. And, like, you know, I think we'll see less Eros and stuff like that and less 2020s that and, are going less on. less Elves
1: if everybody's got Forked Bolts and cheap removal.
0: Yeah, I, I would not want Look, like, Here's the thing. I would not want to play elves in, in this metagame. Like, I know people, like some people, like, you know, especially the elves masters, you know, always talk about their matchup versus Delver being good or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But when people are playing decks that have, you know, I, I'm looking at this version even has a flame slash main. So you're looking at, you know, so between seven to eight bolts main and they're boarding stuff like blazing volley and gut shot. This is not a world you want to be trying to play one ones in. No, it is not. And, I, I, you know, I'm sure those elves players are going to disagree with me at home. That's fine. I'll, I'll play you in twenty dollars matches all day long if you'd like. You know, we'll, we'll 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 take to the streets. You know, if you want to if you want to do it, like I, obviously I'm kind of joking. I thirteen here, but...
1: to the Treasure Cruise Grand Prix with elves. So yeah, I mean, like obviously you Fork can Bolt. win. Everybody yeah. who's playing Fork Bolt in that tournament, they had Grim Lava Mancers in their decks. Mm-hmm. You could do it, yeah. But it's a slog.
0: <laughs> yeah. And why do you want to do that to yourself? Um. Another one of the new cards that did show up this weekend that I that I think you know we do need to keep our eye on, and, and it could be a player in legacy and this is a spot where there is endurance the the, the green elemental incarnation that we talked about being you know not as good as the other ones this is a card that you know can show up and be pretty decent in legacy because here's the thing i think the the text box on it like what it does is more relevant in in this format then another one's because the body is going to also be relevant in this format. The fact that it's a 3-4, you know, dodges almost every removal spell that's normally
1: played in this format. And, and it being reach, reach. Yeah, as yeah, so I was say, it also being Delvers Reach. And and Dragons Reach Chandlers breakfast.
0: And Chandlers have to attack into it, by the way, too. The Chandlers have to attack when they're 3-3 three, three Flyers and stuff. So uh, Endurance is a card that I think is going to show up quite a bit. Um, another one that I think you're going to see showing up in Modern and in Legacy a lot more is for- Force of Vigor. It's going to be another card that's going to start getting showing up a lot. Uh, I meant to say that when we were talking about the modern decks and stuff too, but I think it's another card that's going to show up a decent bit in both of these as either answers to what's going on or ways to beat a lot of what's going on, more so in modern than in legacy, but I do think it'll show up a little bit more. And I think just a lot of cool, interesting things are going to go on. I, You know what I've been thinking about like is you could maybe start playing Spikefield Hazard in some of your Delver decks, but I don't know how many of those you'd want to play. Like, that's another one that's interesting to me. Because uh, what side is the card actually when it's in your deck? Is it the land or the spell? So it does flip Delver, but it's a, it's a come to play tapped land. I'd almost probably never play it as a land, but I mean, you can do it if you have to, you know, kind of thing. But just all the little things that we're going to get into to try to, you know, beat this. I mean, because, like, it, the deck went from having four 1-1s from one to about 12, So you're getting one every game, and you're probably going to see about three of them if the game goes on. And, you know, I've heard people mention Lava Dart in this format as well. So, you know, going super far in that, but, you know, what do you start doing when the Dragon Ray Chandler's for 3-3? So it's going to be an interesting thing that changes up. I think we're going to see more Elemental Blast, but this format already has a Boogeyman after literal day one. And we're going to see... I will say this, I I fully expect... Delver to put up similar numbers next week in decks played, like how many people play it, I expect it to win less. I'm not saying it won't win the tournaments, but I expect it to win less. I expect people to have, you know, figure out something like someone's going to show up with, you know, some sideboard plans and stuff like that. But here's the thing it's the joke we always made. Um, There's an inside joke. Uh, between, you know, Delver players that we always talk about. I even mentioned this on Twitter this weekend because it happened to me at the tournament literally in my first match back, my first paper match of Magic in like two years, whatever. Like, real quick, I'm going to back up for two seconds. This is how bad it was, Ross. When I went to sleeve my deck up, I had to, like, unsleeve cards from the other two Legacy decks that I had sleeved up. Both of them had banned cards in them. That's how long it had been. You know, I had, like, I like, Rin in Six, and, like, you know, uh, what's it called? Astrolabe. And, like, when I'm like, wait, these cards don't even... They, I can't even play these anymore. But, you know, I beat, I beat my round one opponent playing Death and Taxes or whatever, and they, they gave me the, 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 the saying that all of us Delver players always hear after every round that we win. It's like, but I have such a good Delver matchup. And here's the problem. You really, really don't.
1: Yeah. At a certain point, the Delver deck just becomes too efficient.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, I remember when i was playing elves in 2014 you know people were still playing nimble mongoose the yeah. sultai decks didn't have a good one mana removal removal spell they had like two disfigure in their sideboard yeah things. it was they bad didn't want to yeah play fatal Push. so yeah. i was real happy to play against sultai because they could never kill my turn one elf or very rarely uh you know and, and so the the tools that they had back then were just so much worse than what they have now now they're you know they have more pitch counters they have like expressive iteration to tear through their deck faster. They have more one drops and it just, you know, when they had death rate Shaman, they had, you know, two incredible one drops and they had this uh, great tempo advantage with the mana creatures. So there's a certain threshold that the Delver decks can cross where they just become too good because they're already really consistent. And the, the question is, you know, when they get that critical mass of powerful, efficient threats to Go along with the incredibly efficient spell package that they always play, and it, it certainly seems to me like they have that right now with De- Dragons Rage Chandler and Ragavan. And while you said you expect the Delver decks next weekend to win less, I think I expect them to win about the same, but I expect them to, w- I expect there to be new non Delver decks that they win less against because that's more of what i meant like they're gonna have to build more for the mirror more for these affinity decks and so there's going to be some every week there's going to be a hole that you can exploit so if you want to be that person that has to be asked to be exactly right in picking their deck build their decks well know the matchup really well every single weekend and if you're right yeah you have an edge on the field or you can just be the person playing delver and take five eighths of that edge doing basically nothing and just asking me and Brennan if you should change two sideboard cards.
0: Yeah, that's me. Yeah, I know that person. That's me. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind just of thing. a lot
1: easier. You get like, yeah. there's way less stress. There's way less. Oh you know, yeah. You get to keep building your intuition for, and you, know, you just keep getting better at playing those mirror matches too. And eventually, you just never lose again. And that's and that's why we had you play Legacy every time.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, you know, there was a long discussion yesterday and today on Twitter about like banning cards from the Delver deck already and I'm not going to get super into it because I obviously have a horse in the race and I care about you know certain things I don't care if you ban some cards from it but the cards that they were saying to ban blew my mind like they were saying to like ban force of negation or or days and like I really don't think you want a legacy format that doesn't have a Delver deck with days in it because like just have fun getting Gristle Brand on one every single game or like you know all these other decks on one every single game and it's not just because Daze is holding us back. Like, Daze isn't even really that good against Storm, right? But it's good at making you not kill me on one or two. You know, you usually have to wait till turn three to kind of do it. And now I have more pressure that's cheap, too. So, like, you have that problem to keep in mind as well as a Storm player. So, I think, like you said, we'll see what happens in a week or two. But I wouldn't be surprised if something got banned out of this within the next six months. And I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't because sometimes Watsy just doesn't care about legacy which okay saying they don't care about legacy i think is harsh it just doesn't matter is most of the time right like we're not playing the format at like grand prix and pro tours and stuff like that or you know the pros aren't playing it at a high rate like scg doesn't even do it anymore if they were doing events right now it's just you know the once a week you know events on magical online And like yeah it sucks look legacy players i agree with you it sucks I i am one of you right like don't forget i'm one of you but Think about it from you know their perspective, like it just doesn't matter. It's not gonna sell them more packs, it's not gonna save them any money, it's not gonna make them any money or whatever. So, like they'll do it eventually if it has to happen. Like if you know, if you just start seeing six out of every top eight is like this exact same Delver deck, yeah, they'll change something, but at that point you just you ban a few of the, the new cards, like you ban Ragavon or whatever, right? Like you ban Dragon Rage Channel or like whatever, right? And you, you you let the deck keep having the stuff that it's had, and we go back to playing Legacy the way we've played it for the last, you know, ten years and just stop complaining.
1: Honestly, I wonder if the card you banned is a Delver, so that in order to get <sighs> yeah. the density of threats that you need, you have to reduce your blue card count and you make the pitch counters worse.
0: And see, I can get behind that. Like people said that. Like, but the, I mean, like, is it really even the best creature in the deck anymore? Like, the fact that it's blue is the only reason you can make that argument anymore, right? Like, yes, yeah, and like it pitches it pitches to your forces. Like that's that's the big thing, right? And. Yeah, like you're you're probably right. Like that that's the one that makes the you know build of the deck a little bit different. You don't always have a, a super high powered, you know, one drop. Like it does take some work to get the Dragon Rage Chandler to have three power. Ragavan only has two, you're not getting a three power flyer. Because here's the thing the, the the best turn one play still is probably Delver of Secrets because it just hits so hard and ends the game so fast. But the other ones are really good in different spots too, and you have to respect all of them, and that's what makes the deck so good.
1: Yeah, no, and that's what we're seeing people react to is try to come up with the right answers so they can answer Mm -hmm. the threats. Then you've got to come up with the threats that now their answers Mm -hmm. don't answer, and you get that nice little cyclical, um, Mm -hmm. you know, metagame churn. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, the the outside decks can come in and throw a wrench in your plans every now and again, what we saw the Affinity decks do this weekend. But I, I... Looking at the, this Delver deck and looking at the, just the density of good one mana plays and how good the, the spell suites are now with expressive iteration and force negation, I I just cannot see a deck standing up to that over a large sample. It's literally going to be picking your spots on any given weekend with a non Delver deck, and you've got to be supremely confident that you're picking the right spot.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't trust myself to do that. I'd, I'll just. I'll just play the Delver deck, and I'll learn the Mirror. Yeah, you like have enough friend.
1: experience with Delver decks at this point that it doesn't even make sense for you to try. Like, yeah, even well, even, uh, even if I told you I had a deck that was insane against Delver for the weekend, and I was confident, I would still tell you to play Delver.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just that's just the way to do it, right? Because, it's, because it's,
1: when I say a deck's insane against Delver, I'm I'm saying I have a fifty-five matchup. Like, yeah, that's the best you can possibly it, do.
0: And do you, and do you think after after I've played a few games of it, do you think you still have that fifty five percent matchup against you know someone who's I, I like I think if you good change good the two deck? or three
1: cards in your sideboard, that's when it, it becomes close again or in Delver's favor. Yeah. But uh, if and, if if you don't have the right sideboard and I understand the matchup well, I think I could get to yeah, yeah, fifty five yeah. on a given weekend with the, the exact right choice.
0: And you know I was just making a comment too, and like not just myself. That was not me patting my back, but just like the level of player as well. Like there's a difference between you know, some Delver players and other Delver players. You know what I'm saying? And like, I'm not even putting myself in the upper echelon. Like I know there's a lot of people that I ask questions to a lot when it comes to Delver stuff. And I'm aware that they're a much better player than I am. And they understand, you know, the format a lot better than I do. So, you know, I ask them stuff about that. So that's a big thing. So overall, looking at the two, at the two formats, Pretty much what we thought was going to happen. Ragavan was going to be very good in Legacy, along with the other cards that went along. I think I'm pretty surprised by Dragon Rage Chandler, just how ubiquitous it was. It was like four of them, all of them, and it seems like it's great. I, When I called that my most overrated card, I was talking about it in Modern. I didn't even really think about it in Legacy, and I kind of just overshot that. L- Modern, two huge breakout cards this weekend. You know, you, the, the one that you're talking about here is Charlotte's Agent, and then just... Urza saga looked great across both formats though I expect to see possibly a little bit less of it in in legacy we'll see what happens if these artifact decks stick around or not but it seems like modern horizons 2 is a hit and it's got a lot and I mean a lot of implication ac- across the formats and that's what they wanted to do so I got to say good job overall this format I think it's great it's not even been in paper yet either you know we still got to wait a while for it to be in paper and you know I'm kind of glad there's no tournaments coming up because Ross, I'd have to spend a lot of money on my legacy deck, <laughs> like a lot of money. I don't know if you've seen the price of these cards right now, but
1: yeah, it's up there
0: and stuff. So, uh, I'm excited to try this stuff out. Uh, I've been furiously updating the, the, the deck list sheets on, on Wasi for the last three days in a row. And I can't remember the last time I did it. Probably like when, when pioneer started, I think it was the last time I was this excited to see new decks every day. So, I'm really excited to see what's going on in modern and in legacy right now. I think I'm probably like the most fired up to play Magic I have been in a while and I have no way to play it. So that's what kind of sucks. So um if you haven't played any of the stuff at home, uh, do what you want to do. There's a lot of fun. I mean legacy there's the Delver thing, but in modern there's a lot of decks to choose from, and we probably haven't gotten to all of them yet. So lots of great stuff. I gotta say, just huge win for for the set overall. Any any takeaways from you?
1: Um you know I'm going to stay away from huge takeaways, so because I always want to see a couple weeks of, yeah, yeah. of results. But I think the biggest one for me is the versatility of Urza's Saga. Just how many yeah. different decks that card found its way into, you know, all archetypes that we've seen before in some capacity, but all able to use Urza's a Saga to good effect. So... That, to me, points to a card that is just individually really powerful and should stick around because, it's you know, not all those decks are going to stick around, but some of them will.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, uh, we have a little bit of time left, so I want to make sure that we got some of this stuff done. We actually have a question in our mailbag, and I actually really like the question this week. It's from our lovely editor, Brent. He says, was there ever a deck that you played where you said, wow, I'm playing the best deck in the room, and it's not close. Something like Hogak in Modern Week 1.
1: Um, when I was playing, is it Phoenix and Baltimore?
0: I'm not going to lie. I I knew you'd say that one. And I just remember sitting next to you and like, just laughing at what was going on.
1: Yeah. Like I was beating the like fringe modern decks that should have obliterated me. Like, um, I beat a martyr deck. And you think about Phoenix when I'm just like attacking with some creatures and they have all exile based removal and they gain 4,000 life. And I just, like, you know, tore through my deck, found Crackling Drakes, and was cracking in for 25, and <laughs> it just didn't matter. Yeah. How big is
0: it? 37.
1: <laughs> and, you know, I, I was. I remember still playing against, like, Infect in those days with my triple Gutshot deck, and I'm just, like, looking at them, like, we are not playing the same format. <laughs> mm-hmm. They would go... We are not the same, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd go, like, Serum Visions, they play Glistener Elf, I'd go, thick in the ice, Gutshot your Glistener Elf, let's go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the gut shots were unreal. Um, I actually have multiple uh, answers
1: for this. I have one too, so you give yeah, one and then I'll give a second. Uh,
0: my first ever top eight for, for SCG was with a red-green devotion deck that Brendan DeCandio and some other Florida Magic players gave me. And it was, a, especially in standard, when you have the best deck in the room, it feels like you're playing a different format. Like, cause you're, I was just like a turn or two. I was just doing absurd stuff. While people were like, casting a three drop, casting a four drop. I was spending six to 12 mana. You know, I was, like, double and tripling my mana every turn with, like, Nykthos and stuff like that. And I played horribly in that event and easily top-aided. Uh,
1: my second is going to be a weird one. And it was the first time I actually played Elves in Legacy. Well, not the first time at a, at a big event. I had played some tune-up events in the Northeast uh, with it. Uh, but this was Elves pre Craterhoof Behemoth. So there was no Natural Order Damn. package. We were winning with Just Glimpse of Nature and um, uh, Regal Force, and I was actually winning with an Emrakul. I didn't even have Mirror Entity in my deck, which was probably a mistake. So, uh, But this was the Mental Misstep Grand Prix in Providence, and everyone thinks, like, oh, Mental Misstep against Elves is going to be locked down. There's no way you have a, ch- have a chance, but I'm telling you, my deck was unbelievably good. Like, just... It was all grindy mid-range decks because of mental stuff. There was no combo. There were no Sensei's Top, you know, counterbalance decks. And those were the decks you were really scared of. And you just ground through the Azorius Stoneblade decks, the Natural Order Rug decks. Uh, and it was incredible. I just ran into a few too many combo decks, more than there really I should have by, uh, you know, just random pairings. Ended up uh, being the only at the only X2 table that could draw into the top eight in the last round. And then my opponent was playing... A combo deck but they were they were playing the uh hive mind deck with with four mental missteps so there were a four force four mental misstep turn three combo deck Yikes. little nightmare matchup in the last round i got destroyed in 10 minutes uh and took my top 16 and and, and went home you
0: got but, your, your crisp 50 dollar bill or whatever yeah
1: but i think my deck was just unbelievably good because it was, so, it was oh that's henry again he dropped a toy yeah,
0: Henry's uh, wants to be on the show bad this week. Yeah,
1: I tore through people like mm-hmm. nobody's business. It was an incredible. Yeah, moment.
0: got a couple other answers. They're all pretty quick. Um, I played a tournament with Hog- I played one tournament with Hogak. I very easily won it. Like very easily won it. And uh, I remember in that tournament, I beat Jody Keith in the top eight. Like one game where I only had one land for the whole game, and then won easily. And then like another game where like I mulliganed to four and beat him through uh, hate cards because he was playing like the War of invention deck that was like geared to beat Hogak. And I just like ran right through him so much. Of the fact that there was a PTQ like the next weekend as well. And I remember I went to it and like worked it with a friend and Jody switched over to the Hogak deck and like won the tournament very easily. And I remember I talked to him, I was like, why'd you switch to this one? And he's like, brah. He's like, after that game you played against me, he's <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, come on, you know, whatever. Uh, um, that
1: actually reminds me of playing dredge in Syracuse the open. I won there. And uh, I was coming off my buys, and so it's round three, and I'm in a uh, side feature match. And my opponent is relatively new, and I think I started on a turn one Faithless Looting, and I discarded a stinkweed Imp and something else. And then I go turn two, I, you know, top my land, I go, okay, draw step, I'll Dredge. And my opponent looked at me and was like, Dredge? They just never heard the word before. And it, it like, something, you know, the idea bulb went oh, up oh off God, the back yeah. of my head, like, Oh, it has been a while since Dredge has been a relevant deck in any format, right? Yeah. You know, save for Like, like Grandbury,
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: because this was, you know, 2015, 20, this was 2016, I think. Uh, and like, like Legacy Dredge hadn't really been a thing for a while at that point. It certainly wasn't a thing in Modern. Uh, and so I just thought, like, I'm going to play against a lot of opponents this weekend that have never played against a Dredge deck. Yeah. This is going yeah. to be incredibly easy. And my, my list was horrible. Like I had a very bad dredge list, and I just tore through people. I had somebody cast a Rest in Peace on turn two, but they were on the draw, and so I already had 11 power in play. It just
0: yeah, it's like not happen. good enough. Yeah, uh, My first Constructed Pro Tour ever it was a block Constructed Pro Tour, and it was like Team... Is it Unified when you can't use the same cards?
1: Is that what it is? Yes. Is it called... Uni- yeah, it was, it was Team it's, Unified. It's a Simic um, Graft deck.
0: Yeah, I played this little kid deck. I joke about as a little kid deck because I'm playing like one ones for one and two two for one, you know, two twos for two. And I needed to like get my bag of dice out so I could play all my cards. And I was playing these cards that like people had never heard of. Uh, You didn't know what they. People had to read. Look at this. It's a block Pro Tour. There's only so many cards in the block. People were like reading cards in my deck and didn't know what they did. And I mean, I felt like my deck was the best deck every round that I played. My other buddy played it on a different team, and he put up, like, an absurd record, too. So, like, that was one of them. Even though, like, I didn't really get to translate that into it. I mean, they they moneyed or whatever, but I, we didn't do very well as a, ter- as a team or whatever. But I remember my deck just being unreal with, like, some of the worst cards you've ever seen. Just because, like... It fit a niche in the format very well, and it didn't take away any of the good cards from your teammates, which was, like, a big thing as well. Yeah, so you just know.
1: took four breeding pools, and you were good to go.
0: And and uh, I played Remand or whatever, too, so... All right, uh, let's get a few overrated, underrateds out the out of the way, because uh, we're kind of, you know... Um,
1: we falling behind on those?
0: Yeah, we're falling behind on them a little bit. Uh, Leo the Magic Man says, Lord of the Flies.
1: Um... Uh, so I'm going to say underrated, and it's for a particular interpretation of it that I saw recently. Um, you know, Lord of the Flies is, is typically seen as this sort of condemnation of the baser aspects of human nature. And the re, uh, this interpretation of it actually takes it as a specific condemnation of the culture that is built up around imperialist countries. And at this, you know, so it's, it's all it's all British schoolchildren who come from relatively well-off families. And so it's that elitism that creates this culture of of selfish individualism that leads to horrible things like you see uh, in Lord of the Flies. And that interpretation of it, I think, is really interesting uh, as opposed to just a a base and or or global condemnation of human nature, which I think is just flatly wrong if you study any sort of anthropology.
0: Um, Properly rated. Uh, KFET
1: says Bell's Brewery. Um, I'm not a big fan of Bell's Two-Hearted, so I've got to say overrated. Uh,
0: I don't, I don't have an opinion. Uh, Gold says Mill Decks. I'm gonna go with, um, overrated. Overrated by a huge margin. Yeah, even though there are points in times in Modern where it was, like, probably correct to play the deck. Uh, Nikki Bagel says Bunting to Beat the Shift. Ross?
1: Um, all Bunting
0: is overrated. Okay, all Bunting is overrated. Bunting to Beat the Shift... You can argue it with me, and I will have a conversation in good faith, which is more than I could ever say about, about talking about any other form of bunting. So the
1: biggest thing to me is, I think people think of bunting as something that's just like easy to do, and it it really isn't. It's extremely difficult. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: what's okay. What's this What's the saying? It's like, yeah, you're gonna play first base. It's really easy. Tell a wash. It's extremely It's extremely hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever, so. So if right. you're
1: gonna have to do something hard, you might as well, you know, have some some upside out of it. Maybe maybe yeah. it goes out of the park. Maybe you get extra yeah.
0: pieces. Swing swing hard in case you hit it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Big time game says old fashioned the drink and old fashioned the way. Um, both overrated. Yeah, I definitely agree with it. Are you there. Kfet says modern. I would have said overrated when you put this. Now I'm gonna say probably a little underrated because this this is like when modern's at its best. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I think modern has. It's, it's starting to shake off that reputation that it had for years and has been undeserved for several years, and I've mentioned this in the show many times now, but it's it's really starting to shake that off. I think Modern has just been, outside of, like, Hogak, Ironworks, and, um, like, the Oko uh, nonsense has been very fun for three or four years straight now.
0: hmm Yeah. All right, uh, Chase says Renaissance Fairs. I'm going to go with Underrated... Even though I've never been to one, but the hype behind them makes me feel like they're gonna—I'm gonna be like—I'm gonna have a good time when I go, and I probably don't rate them very highly. So that—that's my answer because I don't rate them highly enough, probably.
1: I've never been to one. Dude, we should just go to one. I feel like there are aspects of it that I, I feel like I would just come away with a with a mediocre impression because I think there's aspects of it I would like and aspects I wouldn't like. Um, yeah,
0: same probably. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so I'm gonna go properly rated.
0: Okay. Uh, Joe says Dragon Con. I think this is the one that goes on in Atlanta every year. And I'm going to go with slightly underrated because these, like, if it's in the same vein, I've never been to this one, but it's in the same vein as, like, Gen Con and all other stuff, you're blown away, like, the first time you go or, like, how much fun they are, how much cool stuff there is to do and just so many like-minded people, so.
1: Yeah, I have no idea what this is, so no opinion.
0: Uh, Cathal says gifts, uh underrated because all they do is bring joy, so.
1: um, Is it? There's a lot of, um... There's a lot of economic issues around gift-giving where, like... It-
0: no, no, no. gifts, uh, G-I-F-S.
1: Oh, you mean GIFs. Sure. Um. Yeah, yeah they're fine.
0: Okay. Um, Zeth4 says upheaval. Uh, probably slightly overrated unless the cube is built to really take, it, take advantage of it. Because that's the only time I'm going to talk about it. Up, Up people is
1: a narrowly powerful card, and people think mm-hmm. of it as a generically powerful card. Yeah, and so yeah. That's in the way that we put sense, it. it is overrated.
0: Uh, Catatonic Waller says Doom nineteen ninety three obviously underrated. It is a genre defining title. Game was amazing.
1: Um, I'm not a big fan of shooters, so yeah, overrated I like
0: shooters. Admiral Epsilon says Doom the movie. Um,
1: Didn't overrated. Know they did Doom
0: movie. Yeah, it's got The Rock in it and okay. some other some some other like in The Rock like like very early post WWE or during, so he wasn't like gigantic. He still looked like a normal human being. You know what I mean? He's yeah. not like, like he is now where he's like four humans tied together. <laughs> um But the movie is awful, but it's like the good
1: kind of awful.
0: But there's also a scene in the movie where they go first person, like the doom shooter, and he like walks around shooting things and that was underrated because that was so cool. It's hard to
1: sell me on good, bad movies. I generally oh, don't like them. So I'm going to say overrated.
0: Well then here's another good one. could all the next sense of tra- trash films like Rubber, Sharknado, Octoshark and friends. I will say overall I think they're slightly overrated but I do have a few personal favorites where like the movie is awful, I know it is and I fucking love it and it's like a feel like if I'm having a bad day or I'm sick or whatever it's a movie that I love to watch like one of my personal favorites Ross like all-time favorite bad movie is Masters of the Universe. You know sure. what this is? Uh,
1: I've vaguely heard of it.
0: It's like the the live action He Man movie from the eighties with like Dolph Lundgren and Courtney Cox and stuff. Yeah, that, it's, yeah. it just sounds
1: awful. The, Dude. O- the only one Dude. of these movies that I've actually enjoyed was The Room, which is just oh, yeah, yeah. the pinnacle. I of did
0: that. not, I did not hit her. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Oh hi, Mark. <laughs> I didn't see you there. Yeah. Um, no, seriously though, I think it's on Netflix. One night, just have a few beers and watch Masters of the Universe, and is afterwards which you had text me like you were so right. I
1: would, uh, I would rather just watch a good movie. No no good movies. Why
0: why? Why? It, it is good. Anyway, Brent Wagner, our editor, says Troll Two, the worst rated movie of all time. Um properly rated? Because it's probably the worst <laughs> movie. Oh pro-
1: yeah. I mean to properly rated Which
0: it. By the way, do you see that Paddington two lost its perfect rating?
1: Oh wow.
0: Someone put it someone put a negative review up like four years later. It had a literal one hundred on IMDb and like Rotten Tomatoes and everything. And someone finally put up a negative re- I think someone just yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go through this one really, really fast uh, because they're all related. Uh, Practical Logic says Trolls World Tour, the movie. Never seen it. Can't can't give it a rating.
1: I'm gonna say overrated.
0: Okay, Joe, Mr. English says Troll Shroud. Uh, overrated.
1: Is is this a mechanic?
0: It's the it's a mechanic that all the all the it's before you had uh shroud. It's like you know the, you have the troll thing. It can't be the target of a spell's your abilities. Your opponent control.
1: Oh, uh, oh yeah, because that's what we would call Hexproof. Yeah, it was yeah it's
0: what we called Hexproof. We called it Troll, a troll yeah. Um, yeah.
1: it's probably underrated. People complain about it no. like it's some you know. He was, it's overrated
0: because of how much PTSD you have from that being good decks. Fuck that. Yeah,
1: like there's it, it's it's actually underrated at this point. Yeah.
0: Mako Mark says Troll Lore in parentheses. Wow, uh, I don't, I don't know any, so I'm yeah. not sure. No opinions. Zeth Four says trolling people. I'm gonna go with overrated. Yeah, very overrated. Yeah, and then Joe says trolley sour worms candy. Probably the most overrated thing you could probably hit because I fucking hate sour candy, and you cannot pay. You'd have to pay me to eat it, and I, I'd still hate it.
1: I hate. I like sour. I hate gummy candy. The texture. Of I hate it is gummy candy. to me. So I'm yeah. still with you on overrated. But for a
0: like way. Joe, Joe, if you ever wanna have some fun, if you ever wanna have some fun and watch me just absolutely hate my life for five or ten minutes, message me with some amount of money. And I will stream myself eating that stuff and I will hate every I will probably be in tears at some point. Uh rubber duck says trolling, fishing, obviously overrated because it's awful.
1: Yeah, f- fishing it, it's, like, it's I enjoy drinking, and fishing is mostly drinking, but I would still rather be doing other things yeah. while I'm drinking. So still overrated.
0: Yeah, Kvit says Golgari grave troll. Uh properly rated because it's it's messed up
1: uh, yeah it should be banned so properly rated
0: yeah all right we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cut it there at all the troll stuff love I love it when they do this. this happens every now and then in the over it under, like someone does a like uh someone does a subject and someone's like takes it another step, and then the next four people just like bury it <laughs> like I love it, um. We would be remiss if we didn't mention our lovely sponsor Barrister and Man. i just got some more stuff from them in the mail. I can't get enough of it. Make sure that you check out their website. It's Barrister and Man with Check out all their uh, cool things they have going on there. I'm a big fan of the shaving soaps, uh, the shaving brush and the after shaving balm. It's the, easily the best I've ever had. My my skin and your skin will thank you later. So make sure you try it out. Use the code MTG Rants for 15 percent off at uh, checkout. Um, Ross, if people wanted to hear more of your opinions or see more of you on, uh, the YouTubes or the interwebs, where would they go?
1: First place is my Twitter account. I am at Ross Hunnids. That'll be a good place to just keep up to date on all of my different content. Also a good place to ask me questions about whatever, uh, because I do try to get back to people as often as possible. Then there's my written content for SCG. My articles typically go up on Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, If they don't, then I'll alert you on Twitter. This week, my article, as I mentioned earlier in the show, is about death and taxes and why I think the future of death and taxes is cutting Leon and arbiter. Next up is my non-written content or video content, which is Versus Live, the web show I do twice a week with Corey Baumeister. We've actually been having a great time having Todd Anderson fill in for Corey while he has been out of town. So it's been back to me and Todd for a couple shows. We're recording this on a Monday, so tomorrow, Tuesdays, Our last show that will be uh, done by the time this posts, but the VOD will be on YouTube. So if you can't catch us live at 1 p.m. Eastern to 4 p.m., you can find the VODs on the Star City Games YouTube channel. They go up the next day uh, around 5 p.m. Eastern time as well. Then there is my uh, personal stream, which hasn't been active for quite a while, but I promise it's coming back. So if you want to head on to uh, Twitch and find me at Ross underscore Miriam, you can give me a follow, and then you'll get the notification when I do start streaming again, and I appreciate it. Tannin, if people want to see more of you or hear more of you, where can they go?
0: Uh, Easiest place is on Twitter. It's at the Grace. I keep up with most stuff there. I'm on Twitter all day, every day. Let's be real. Um, and then I do have a Twitch channel under just Tannen and Grace. Um, I stream a lot more often than Ross does lately, but I've actually been taking a little bit of hiatus, though. I, I probably will stream a decent bit this week if I end up staying in town. I might go out of town, but if I don't, I'll stream Cube. But uh, I'm not a big fan of Strixhaven drafts right now, and there's like really nothing else to, to do on there. Standard's kind of stale, but when the new sets come out or whatever, you can, you can expect more of that. And then I may re-download Magic Online sometime soon. We'll see. No promises, but Uh, make sure you check us out there um i have seen that some of the patreon rewards have been out and they're in the wild ross someone has shown that they have the playmat in their hands yes great success and more of those if you haven't gotten yours yet and you're one of the people that's getting them more of them are going out soon and then we'll have another shipment soon and get to the next uh, wave of people so again thank you everyone who has been supporting the show whether you do it through patreon or you just listen to us every week on your commute yep i'm talking about you I hear you, and I see you in your car right now getting your coffee. So we thank you very much. Make sure you keep listening, and we'll see you all next week.